Welcome to Inside the 18, live from my bunker in Palm Desert, California, also known as my dad's guest room. I'm Michael Magid. With me are two incredible goalkeepers, 99 World Cup winner Saskia Weber, Brazilian women's national team goalkeeper Aline Heiss, and Omar Zini's here too. Uh, <laughs> yes, thank you for that. I appreciate, I appreciate that. Uh. <laughs> Don't forget <laughs> Greatest goalkeeper coach ever. Uh, the greatest goalkeeper <laughs> coach right. in the world. Ever. In the world, according to, <laughs> to himself. Oh, my God. Look we at are... him. Look at him. Now I see you. Oh, I let... see you. <laughs> Which... That's cool. What you got going on, dude? We got to see. Look at the background. background. Uh-uh, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> can't see it? I can't see it. I can't see, I can't see it. Oh, no, oh, see oh it. my I gosh. See I see it the whole time. The, connect, now, the, the connection comes out late in Palm Desert, so I think uh, that's what happens. No, it's no, hold on. So you missed it. Earlier, we were talking about the fact that like, um, my family actually splurged on an extra bandwidth uh, just so that I can keep doing the podcast. They're like, nice. they're like, they're like we, need, we can't have you just like, keep running through like, the halls, like saying, like, the internet's not working. We can't go on Facebook. We have to go on YouTube now. Like, there's only four people on YouTube. Um, so, so, yeah, so they ended up splurging on that. And, uh, and now I think I'm okay. And I don't need to hear Saskia go, your internet is horrible. Your connection is horrible. I text you. <laughs> or you text me that. I text you. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. You're more polite. You're more the polite than that. Um, guys, this is absolutely awesome. I'm really excited about this. Before we start today's show, um, I just want to give a shout out to all the insiders out there um, who um, gave back to the, uh, to the GoFundMe. Uh, I know some of you guys uh, know what I'm talking about. Uh, recently, uh, Omar had a situation where all his equipment uh, failed on him. And uh, right now with us goalkeeper coaches not really having much income coming in, and um, we kind of needed the help and the support of the fans uh, so that Omar could get kind of get back at it. And he does a lot of freelance work and that's kind of how he makes his living. And, and you guys have been donating. And I, I think that's just absolutely fantastic. So thank you from the bottom of our heart uh, for that. The GoFundMe is still going. I think we're getting close to $1,200 right now. Uh, the goal is $1,500. So honestly, guys, just big shout out for that. I know it kind of embarrasses Omar for, for to talk <laughs> about this on the air uh when he found out that uh that i had done this uh he was like oh uh is this is this okay because like you know I, a lot <laughs> it's of weird times, it's a weird situation yeah it is i mean but you know the thing is dude is like goalkeeper union aline knows this we're all we're all for each other and this has been a difficult situation for everybody right Look, for sure and equipment's expensive yeah, yeah. It, it is, it is yeah. you know you can't just have one ball as a coach in your bag you know? <laughs> and, yeah. and so on and so forth so, and you want good ones so <laughs> Good. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. So, so that sometimes, sometimes you could have just one ball, but people judge you. Yeah. <laughs> you need a lot of them. <laughs> well, no. Hold on. I'm hold too old. I'm too old to shag. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> too old to shag. Yeah. It really, it really depends who you're working and with. And I need them because when when I need when I need a break, it's an excuse. Used to go shag and take a walk. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this episode's already. This already is a classic. I love. I absolutely love this. This episode. Oh just my god, we just honest. got a Brazilian just came on. Fred uh, Bragaglia, who I who I butchered his name last time. He sent in a review. Uh, he's saying, That's awesome. "Yeah, the best clapping emojis and then a bunch of Brazilian flags." So he's a great coach from Brazil. Very good nice. coach. I'm glad he's uh, with us today. Oh, that's awesome! That's uh, he. Yeah, he's a he's a fan of the show. He uh, he reached out and he's like he's like, I love hearing about American goalkeeping. And I was like, you know what? Then we're gonna have to bring some Brazilians on uh, to uh, <laughs> to you know to share the favor here. Um, 
Uh, by the way, get, quick shout out, guys. Jake Davis, Christy Escobedo, Rob Suller, Hector Castro, and Seth1971. Fantastic reviews. We honestly don't have the time to get to these. We really want to get into these questions and topics today. Um, and we got a really patient one here from Isabel Palmatier, uh, San Juan ECNL uh, goalkeeper. And she is so excited, Aline, for you to be on the air. And she asks, has your mindset being a smaller goalkeeper um, as a youth what types of challenges did you have to deal with in order to prove yourself to, to coaches and to colleges and all that? Um, that's a good question. Um, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to help her so much with that because to be fair, growing up, I didn't know I was going to be this short. <laughs> the point is, uh, my parents, I, my parents are taller than me. Uh, I don't know what happened. I was supposed to grow a little bit more, and I didn't. Um, but the what I'm getting with this is um, growing up in Brazil, I actually didn't play uh, soccer that much, like, on the field. I played a lot of futsal. So um, we did I, – I used to do a lot of training, um, for like, on the field, but uh, – the majority of the tournaments, the majority of the games, I, I played futsal. So in futsal, there wasn't much of that mentality. Oh, that keeper's too short. You know, everyone was like, whoa, how quick that keeper is. And in futsal, that's the agility, the quickness. That's that's what amazes people. And that, that's what gets the job done. Um, so um, when I got, when I was about 17, 18, that's when I started realizing that people were getting taller than me and uh, I was staying behind. Um, and the, the thing is, like, I feel like um, in Brazil, uh, they have the discrimination against small goalkeepers is actually really big. And when I got to college, um, the first time, it's a funny, it's going to be really quick, but a funny story. When my goalkeeper coach, I was recruited by the assistant coach who went to Brazil on a recruiting trip and saw me. Uh, but when I got to college, UCF, my first preseason day, um, and I met the goalkeeper coach, uh, Donna Fischer, uh, who is still my mentor to this day, amazing person. We're very um, uh, close. But the day that she met me, I was with the other Brazilian. So another Brazilian was, was recruited as well. And I was with the other Brazilian and she looked both of us like from head to toe. And she was like, which one of you is the keeper? Because I was like, <laughs> I was the short one. And the other one was like a little bit taller, but super skinny, like didn't look <laughs> like she was going to be a good keeper. And that, that was my, that was my welcome to UCF. And I'm like, Oh man. This is going to be very interesting <laughs> from this first, uh, that was like uh, first impression. That's absolutely hilarious. And it's, it's funny we said that about like, I wasn't sure I was going to be this short either. Like I honestly didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that it was going to happen. I think Omar was the same thing. I mean, Omar was like six feet tall at like 11. So like he, he just thought he was going to be like six, seven. He just thought it was just going to keep, keep going. Uh, Omar, at what point, at what point did you realize you were the small goalkeeper? Honestly, because I had grown as quickly as I did, I had always been the tall person and the tall person in the group. So I think in my head, I, I never felt when everyone caught up to me that I was shorter. I just felt like it was normal. I don't know. And then I, I got to a point where people were like, oh, you are a little bit short for, your, for a goalkeeper. And I was like, really? Maybe in my head, it's, I have this idea that I'm not. 
but I, I don't know. <laughs> I just tried to play with what I had, what tools I had, you know, and, and figure out ways to kind of manipulate the game so that the height issue or the me being not as fast or as athletic issue wasn't something that was at the forefront. It kind of just got slid underneath the rug and I was able to, to manage all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, look, I was always tall, but that's back when like <laughs> Tiffany Milbert and Tiffany Roberts and Lori Fair were on the team, and like being five, <laughs> being five nine. Although in the in the, in the USA handbook it says I'm five ten, which is not true. Um, <laughs> um, it's like uh, I was always tall. Now, forget it. Now I'm like average height. All these girls yeah. are like five nine and above. You know, so. <laughs> yes. But but that's the thing. When when I when I got to college, that's when, you know, like I realized I was a lot shorter than than most of the college keepers. Um every once in a while I would play against another five three goalkeeper, but um that was rare. Um but I think um you know like my height was never really talked about and and that's that's a, a good point because Absolutely. back in 2009 when um when I um I went to a camp with Brazil like this is um a long time ago and I had a bad experience because all the keeper coach talked about was my height he he never gave anything constructive for me to work on was like you know I love your technique I love uh your power how quick you are I just wish you're a little bit taller. And I'm like, oh, great coaching point. Great, great working <laughs> with you. You know, great working with you. And that really, that was a tough time for me. Seriously, I, that was sophomore year in college when I got the call for, for the full national team. And, and uh, for me, it was a tough time. I, I came back um, to, I came back to my sophomore year and I was a little, um, you know, crazy Rattled, about that yeah. I had that yeah I had that in my mind but you know Amanda and, and Donna never they they just accepted me for who I was like they recruited me like that right and the the conversation was always how can we make you better with what you got you know like you're 5'3 but you're 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 better than other keepers in 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 many things that you know like maybe your height helps with that with the uh, with the quickness you know and to be fair, like um, when I realized my height was gonna be an issue, um, I I heard a, I heard from Donna one one day. She said, "Look, you're not gonna change your height, so we're not even gonna talk about that. But um, you, there's so many things that you can control, and there's so many things that you can improve. So just focus on the controllable. Just focus on mm -hmm. the things that you can improve. If you can be better than everyone else on your technique." on your power, on your explosion, then, then that's, that's, that's it for you. Like, what are you going to do about your height? Yeah. yeah you know, just, yeah. No, I had a, I had a coach tell you, you know, just wish you were younger. So, <laughs> Wait, what? Are you <laughs> serious? That was a good one. <laughs> I was playing the best I'd ever played. And it was like, you know, we're just going to, I'm looking at some younger keepers. I'm like, uh, I can't get younger. <laughs> like, can't do anything about that one. I, I, had a, I had a coach just say, just, I just had a coach just say, Hey, I just wish you were a better goalkeeper. That would have uh, <laughs> benefited the entire team. If you could do that, that'd be great. There was a kid we played against uh, at UC Santa Barbara and he was a, I was a freshman. He was a junior. So I had to play him for two years. His name was Sam Hayden. And he was uh, probably like five foot nine, five foot 10, like kind of a shorter goalkeeper. 
And everything in the, in the scouting report was obviously when you get a shot, try and put it into the corner. When you get a service, put it in the air. Let's see how good he is in the air. And the guy was probably the best timing of timer of crosses mm-hmm. I had ever seen. Uh, he was incredibly springy. Yeah. He had <laughs> his, his, his understanding of where his line was and what his range was. He really comprehended that so well. And his positioning was above, above any goalkeeper that I had ever seen at the time. So everything we had ever knocked on him in terms of his height and what his limitations could be, he, I think he reverse engineered and said, okay, what are coaches and other people thinking of me? How can I just cross all those boxes off so that there's no scouting report that can really come against me? And I think that is the, the I mean, that's why I think, Alina, like you, you guys, and, and Saskia too, Mike, maybe later I'll talk about you and your career, but them too, for sure. They've really maximized, they've really maximized what they had because they, I think, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I'm sure you realized early on what you had, what limitations you had. And then from there, you were able to say, okay, these are my limitations. These are my strengths. How can I couple them together and make the, a complete goalkeeper of what I have? You know, sp- speaking of that, I, I want to kind of get into today's topic because it's really leading into this in regards to the fact is that sometimes when you have certain physical, let's just say limitations, um, things such as technique just become so much more important. And one of the reasons, Aline, that I really wanted to have you on for this episode is because it's something that's so important and I feel like it's, there's not enough focus on it um, in regards to when you're working with youth and that's set shape and balance. And one thing I really love about you, Aline, I, I think you have some of the best set shape, some best stability when it comes to, you know, how you contain yourself when a ball's coming in, all, all that sort of things. Um, and, and, and so I was watching just even the tapes in quarantine, you know, in such small spaces, you're just still like containing the ball clean. Your shape is nice and tight. It's, it's just unbelievable. And the ball's being flown at you and you're like three feet away in like an, in like a little tiny little hallway area. It was just amazing to watch. Um, so guys, Real quickly, let's let's start uh, with everybody here. Um, does anybody have an idea? Like for some of the people here that are listening, that might be parents who aren't familiar with goalkeeping vernacular, uh, sometimes they get a little lost, and I want to make sure that they're on the same page with us. So, does somebody want to explain what set stance is and how that's different than your set shape? I mean, I think in terms of stance and shape, I think the stance. Obviously, I've I've shifted a weird word. But I've shifted my stance as a coach now on what set stance is and what's optimal and ideal for every goalkeeper. I think before I used to always say, Hey guys, like I loved being narrow because that was to my advantage. Cause I felt like I was athletic enough to keep myself in this position of a narrow stance so that I could react to balls and have everything uh, within like a range where I could step and go versus I've seen De Gea and guys who are probably a little bit taller who already have a natural wide set stance. And for them, because they're much taller and because they have a little bit more weight on them, they need to sink in a little bit more and that allows them to one attack the low balls, but also create power and then attack the high ball. So I've shifted my stance on it from saying it should always be narrow to it should just be whatever you feel is natural to you. So shoulder width apart. If you feel that, if you feel like maybe you want to start narrow and then jump wide, jump, start wide, start jump narrow. Either way, I think as long as you have an idea of what it is that is going to max <clears throat> maximize again, your skill set and your toolbox, then you got to really have trial and error. And I think for you guys as well, I'm sure coaching wise, it's important to allow those kids to have the trial and error. And one last thing before I let you guys go, but. Well, you just froze. So that was your, literally your last. Uh, before the quarantine. <laughs> oh. Dude, Omar, you just can you, froze. Can you hear me now? It's so yeah. funny because you, because you went one last thing and then I'll let you guys go. <laughs> and you literally froze. <laughs> and it was like, ah. Like that, and what that really was his, was his last thing. Real quickly before, uh, 
real quickly, I just want to explain to parents, set stance is how you stand as a goalkeeper. Your set stance is, is, is the way you're standing uh, in, in the goal. Um, Alina, your, your stance is, uh, is, is obviously not a, a wide David De Gea type stance. Um, you know, how, did, how did you kind of find your stance? What was comfortable for you? Well, to be fair, I think um, we're talking about, I get what Omar's saying and, and the idea of, okay, the narrow stance might not work for everyone. And we see great goalkeepers having a wider stance. Um, but I think this is from like me playing. So my experience and, and from everything I've learned, I know like goalkeeping, there's so many different philosophies and, and there's so many different, uh, you can do things different ways, you know, but uh, from what I've seen my entire career, uh, we've always talked about, you know, your your feet should be shoulder width apart to start with. And I think that's what gives you the most power. Uh, that's what, like, I think when you're too wide, you lose quickness. And when you're too narrow, you lose balance. So, I mean, it's finding that um, um, perfect 50-50 balance where your weight is good on both feet. So you're not putting a little bit more of weight on on your right or left so finding the 50 50 balance and then making sure that uh you know it's shoulder width apart because like i said too wide uh lose a little bit of quickness and then too narrow you're a lot a lot of times you don't have balance you lose the balance so that's what has worked for me my entire career uh i haven't since i started playing i haven't really changed my set position uh my set stance uh stance and um, and I think for most of the keepers I worked with or I've seen playing, uh, I think that's what works best for them. I agree with you 100 percent. Um, I think that and we've talked about this before. I think um, too wide of a set stance, um, you might you might be able to get away with it if you're really, really athletic. But I think you're going to lose power. Um, you're, you're not going to get to those lower balls bending away. Like, think about that. Think about how to move your body from too wide of a, a set stance. Like, it's, it's difficult. You end up, you kind of can end up more flat-footed for balance. And then if you're too narrow, I agree too, then again, where's your power coming from? If you're too narrow, how are you getting that push off? How, you're going to have to take an extra step. You're, you're really not going to get your power step in there. It's too narrow. And, and yes, I think that there's a window. Like, I don't think, you know, this, this distance is the distance, you know. For everybody, it's, diff um, if it's different. But, you know, I have a couple keepers that I've told you, Mike, that will double set. Like, they'll set, right? And then maybe they set too soon, then they'll double set, and then they're way too wide. And they can't get that movement in. They can't get that lateral movement in. So um, I do think there is a, a range. I do. I agree with you on that. You, you know what's what really interesting is that it, this reminds me of the fact that when I was a younger goalkeeper coach, I used to try to, and, and, I, and I spoke about this in, in the last podcast with Peter Meller, is that I used to you know, try to get goalkeepers to do it the way that I wanted them to do it rather than find what works for them. Right. And I think when it comes to set stance, I think as a child or a young goalkeeper, I don't want to call you a child, a young goalkeeper, a developing goalkeeper, um, you want to try a bunch of different set stances and find what works for you and find what's successful for you. And usually what's going to be successful for you is going to be what your body naturally wants to do to maintain a, a strong median and balance and, and all that sort of a thing. Um, I know personally for me, it, it, it's, for me, it's based on my hip structure. And I feel that if, if based on my hips, if my hip, if my knees buckle in, 
I'm done. And I've got a little bit wider hips, so I'm going to make sure that my legs, my knees are out a little bit like that. And I'm trying to do it while I'm in the chair right now. It's very difficult because <laughs> I can't see it. And I don't know I if anyone... But I guarantee you, I look at it like, I, this is an analogy, but let, look at it like surfing. If you're learning how to surf, right, and somebody's teaching you on, on dry sand and then teach you how to pop up, okay? So you either figure out your goofy foot or you figure out your regular foot, right? So they teach you how to pop up. You automatically go into a certain position to, to balance your body on a surfboard. If you, can, if you can pop up and do that in soccer, like, that, that's your gate. That's your balance, that's, right? And yes, I do... Yes. I do think some of these kids look at De Gea and they look at people and they adopt this wide stance because that's what these players are doing. And I guarantee you, pop up, do a little surfer activity, pop up, and here you are. You're going to be shoulder width apart. I totally agree. And, um, and the point is, yes, uh, there is a certain range because everyone's body structure is different. So it's exactly mm -hmm. what was, uh, Weber's saying is like, okay, we got to, on training, uh, when we're doing stuff, we got to find what's comfortable for you, like you said. But I do think as well, um, you know, it's hard. When, when you're dealing with an athlete, let's say, uh, an old athlete, like 31 years old. <laughs> we're looking for younger that's people. <laughs> that's, that's me. That's me right now. Um, I, always, I always look for ways to improve. And there's certain things I, need, I, I think I need to keep improving. But there's, there are other things that... I'm just not going to change it by now. You know, it's just, it's part of me. It's what's comfortable. So if it's working for me, why change it? So maybe that's uh, some of those goalkeeper coaches out there, like the JS goalkeeper coach, what is he going to say like to an elite right. player like that, you know, but I am of the opinion that, um, Hold no, it's, it's okay. okay. We saw yeah, it. It was, a, it was a cute picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good, it was a good shot. <laughs> so I am. Um, my opinion is, what about right? Um, if uh, uh, I don't know, like a uh, uh, goalkeeper coach can come to go to the gym and say, "Let's try this," you know. And I'm I'm curious to see how much power maybe he would have. You know what I mean? Like he's already yeah. athletic. He already has power. It works for him because of everything he has going on, but mm -hmm. who knows, like, if he can, uh, uh, if he narrow can change. that a little bit, if that's better for him, if he's going to be even better, you know, yeah, we don't know. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I had to, like, even with uh, our keepers now, like, I, you know, I've had to work on their set position, their stance, like, and their, and their, and their, um, body weight and everything like that. And, and they are still young enough. And I agree with you, 17, 18, 19, like, 18, 19, 20, to, to change habits. Um, it is harder as you get older. It absolutely is harder as you get older. I want to talk about this with Omar here because Omar actually, and guys, if you haven't checked out this video, um, you did one where you were actually talking about a wide stance and you were breaking down the difference between a narrow and a wide stance, which was really awesome, by the way. Um, and, you, and you did it with cool little arrows and all sorts of fancy <laughs> You're, you're so good at that. Um, I think one of the difficult things a lot of times that, that goalkeepers have is that they try to, to find a good set stance but yet they feel like they're not dynamic if their stance is in a certain way. Um, how do you main, how, how do you stay dynamic? You're talking about the, the, you know, you guys were talking about the, the double jump, double set and all that sort of stuff, the pulsing, all of that. Is that something you recommend to keepers? Is that something that's just personal? What do you think? Um, no. Oh, it's for Omar. Sorry. <laughs> no, Alina, you can. This is your episode. <laughs> yeah, you're the guest. You're, like, oh, you're the guest. Yeah. 
I think okay. That, okay, I'll start off. I think that again, that's a habit, but I think that okay. that comes down to timing. Okay. And I personally, like I, I find that the reason people double double set or do that is because they set too soon. Their timing was off, you know. And like, if you're in, if it's like a dance, like if you're in movement properly, shifting your body and then set and go, like that's all a timing thing. But if you set and have to set again, I think your timing was off. That's just my what I've seen. Uh, I totally agree with what you're saying. And um, I, when I think about, I think setting first of all is the foundation of goalkeeping like if you if you're going to be a good goalkeeper you need to have your set position down and and be very balanced with that um now the idea is when i think about setting position um there's some things for you to think about because um you need to be um ready when the ball is moving right so let's say they're outside the 18 they're uh completing some passes and you're you're moving with the ball but your your body is already in a in a sort of a ready position right uh in case someone takes a shot that that like a, a first time a first touch shot or or something like that or a cross for you to come out and get it now when uh let's say someone takes a touch and is prepared to take a shot so there's some things that i think about because when people are still passing the ball i have sort of a, a more relaxed set position right i'm not super low i'm not super compact because i'm still like i'm waiting to see what's gonna happen i'm ready but not completely like oh let's go let's go for the ball i am i'm a little bit relaxed and i think my what happens is my knees are still slightly bent but not so much and and my hips are not so like to be very clear like my butt is not so uh, back you know like because i'm not so compact what I'm trying to say is there's the relaxed supposition and then there's the compact redness and that's when a shot's about to be taken. So it's a split second before the shot and you're in your supposition, you get even, that. that's what I do and what I teach, you get even lower a little bit, not super low, but you get ready to explode because you're gonna have to take a quick shuffle or you're gonna have to take a power step and go to the ball. So. Um, I think when when we're talking about setting, um, it's a little bit broader than that, and and that's why I'm bringing this up because it's what I think about when I'm playing. I'm relaxed, I'm ready, but I'm relaxed, and then I'm compact right before the shot, and I explode. I mean, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's that's incredible. Um, and Omar, I think I think you got a new breakdown video <laughs> Sorry, right there, dude. Aline, Aline in her in her double set uh, and how she how she does it. Um, do you, do you want to add on to that, Omar? I think no. I think something that I learned and and I've seen from my goalkeepers as well, and something that I like to break down is when you get into a set position, just make sure that if you're gonna stay if you're gonna go narrow prior to the shot, you stay narrow because you have to. I feel because if you go narrow and then jump wide. Then we're talking about limited mobility, limited range, because now you're in a really unathletic position. Because normally that bo your body is is like uh, I mean I said is that there's a kind of a composite set position, but there's also that set position prior to a shot. And your mm -hmm. mind and your body is kind of it's it, it wants to stay active so that they can react laterally or react to whatever right. happens. And so your body is kind of going into this like freak out mode of okay, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And as the shot comes, that pressure needs to be released somewhere. So what ends up happening is you end up jumping wide and releasing it there but now your range is only as far as your arms can reach. And if you want to like bring that leg back in from it being too wide, you have to tuck it in and you're almost one going to either sweep your leg and then again, still limit your reach, or you're going to step it in and then step out. And by the time you put that foot in to, to plant, 
it's already a second too late and the ball's already behind you. So again, I think it's about trial and error and as coaches as well, just saying, look, you can try this out. Just let me know what you think. Let's have an open discussion about it. But I think what people need to realize is that we're talking about split seconds. Okay. Yes, and I think that's what the important thing is. Like when Alina is talking about when she's moving with the ball and she's ready, she's ready to set when, if something happens, but she's still moving with the flow of the ball across the top of the 18 and following it. When we're talking about a set position, when somebody's about to shoot, it's a split second, your movement, you're taking a pre-stretch into that set position and then you move with the shot and it's like, boom, it's really quick. It's not, yeah. here I am, I'm set, <laughs> you yeah. know, and yeah. you now shoot, you know what no, I mean? Exactly. Because yeah. then we'll you're stagnant that. and you get no yeah. explosiveness. So I just want people well, watching to realize this is like, it's a rhythm, it's boom, set, go, you know? Yeah. Well, think about, we talk about, like we talk about surfing. We, I mean, we always talk about different sports and how they all kind of align. Yeah. If you think about tennis, I think exactly, yeah, and uh, they call it the crow, the, the crow hop. So it's kind of like the, the kind of thing. And same thing when it comes to the serve. Like you don't want to be in a wide set position and, and stuck because now what ends up happening is when that ball comes to you, you're so it's going to be kind of an unathletic un movement because your body's going to be wanting wanting to go this way or this way. And like Lene said, sometimes that weight can be awfully uh, it needs to be evenly distributed, but right. sometimes it can be awfully distributed because of one foot getting more weight than the other one so i think it's important to like we talk about the arm swing that's the skill set the little hop is also a skill set that yeah. timing is absolutely everything because we talk about it, it's, it's constant constant repositioning so you're going from point a to point b right. and you can't you can't take too big of a stride if it's like one to three you can't go from one to three you have to go one two three so at least if you needed to go back to one you're not at three and having to jump back to one does that make sense? So it's just kind of like that. Real quick, can I show you guys a quick video that I, it's funny, I actually did this video. I actually did this video. Is this just like, a promo? Three, three years this is ago. a promo. No, no but I he's going to do, video. we haven't done this yet. We haven't oh, done no, we haven't. Chairs. This is going to be fancy. All right. No, we're fancy. <laughs> I did, no, no, I, I did this video three years ago and it's of uh, Robles, who's on Everton. He's playing against, I think it was uh, against Liverpool. And I want to show you guys, on three of their goals, he's not set at all. Okay. So I just, I'm going to share, share my screen and uh oh god open system preferences okay you guys can keep talking i have to let it well i'll tell you that i'll tell you that end all be all saying from tony um to chico would have always been like it's better to be setting out a position than moving period yes. um you yes. know because i can do something if i'm set even if i'm out of position if i'm moving i'm, I'm i can't if i'm moving the wrong direction if i'm doing this if i'm not set if i get that pretty sure to that set in even if i'm out of position i can react oh here we go here we go. So here comes you guys this video. My screen? Yeah, we we're can see fancy. it. We're fancy. Look at this. <laughs> okay. Wet, wet so you just watch. He doesn't. He doesn't. He never sets. He's always moving. So like, if you just watch his feet. Yeah. 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 Just. And that's exactly all he can do. Watch the ball go away. Exactly. So he yep. should have sat there. And so yeah. And he's still moving to the near post. So I, I was like so surprised as a professional goalkeeper, three goals in the and exact look, same game. And look, look how, at, that. Uh, look at oh. that. Did you see that giant pre-stretch, that huge jump yep. and he's straight up in the air? Oh, you okay, know so me. This was the worst okay. one. This was the worst one of them all. Joe like, Robles is never going to come on the podcast, by the way, after <laughs> this. I'm sure he knows it, but look how upright he is. And look, he's on his heels, where his weight is and balance. Yeah. That, yeah. There you go. That's a good example. No. Yeah. I, I want to ask Aline this because, uh, you know, one thing I really like about you, Aline, is that despite the fact that you get down, you get set, and you, and, you, and you pulse and go into that power type of thing, you're able to maintain balance so that you can change direction if you need to. And I think one of the biggest issues that a lot of, you know, young keepers have is when they try to do a, a double set is that they already are moving in one direction and then they can't adjust. So what advice yeah. do you kind of give goalkeepers to, 
to be able to stay, maintain that balance yet still have that power? Um, so going, going with everything that I just said, I think. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love this show. We have another guest. (laughs) 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 Okay, so the idea, um, so what Omar said, you know, like uh, going back to to tennis and the double hop that they do. I mean, that's definitely a skill. And if you watch it, it's not like they're in the air for too long because that's my problem with keepers jumping up and down. It's like, what about your, your, the shot was just taken and you're going up. So you have to wait until you come down and then explode. So what's going to happen there? You're going you're gonna to miss a lot of time, right? So the idea is um, I do think it's a skill and it could be one more thing for your toolbox and it could work for keepers. And you need to work on that. Um, it, you're barely coming off the ground. You know, you're, you're moving you um you are very dynamic but you're ready to explode when you need to um now i that's not what i usually do for myself um for a long time what i use is what my coach donna used to call assessment steps so assessment steps are short quick steps so the idea is so um i'm working on my angle i'm moving like normally right not too big of a step like goalkeepers never move with big steps, right? That's when you lose quickness. That's when you lose power. But moving with my normal steps. And then when I see that, you know, like I'm, I'm watching the player, I'm reading the player, and I see that they're about, they just took that touch and they're about to uh, plant their foot to take the shot, I enter what I call the short, quick steps. So it's like I'm still moving slightly forward, trying to cut the angle. And that movement forward actually helps me keep my balance. And then a split second before the shot, I have to be still. That's the the most important. I cannot be moving. I cannot be taking small steps or big steps or any steps. I need to be still, just like when we saw in the video, like uh, the keeper had no chance whatsoever of making those saves, only if the ball came and hit him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I think, yeah. Anyways, I think that's the that's the biggest thing is every everybody has their own. Uh, uh, nobody can what's hear me. happening? <laughs> I had it on mute because of the dogs. I was like talking away. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, were you talking, Sauce? I was totally yeah. talking. Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Omar. Go ahead, Omar. No, I think um, uh, one of my goalkeepers actually, I said before the quarantine, he reached out to me. Actually, no, he reached out. We were on, on the field, and he. He said, hey, do you think uh, as you get older, do older goalkeeper coaches like advise their, their goalkeepers to change their set stance? And I said, no, but I think there's a discussion that's, that needs to be had where obviously I, I, I allude to you guys who uh, have played at that next level where it's like you, your body changes and as it changes, you have to adapt. And I think as you get older, whether it's a young goalkeeper who's hitting a growth spurt and has to adjust to their set stance because of their height or their increased uh, uh, agility or whatever it is, I think that is super important too. Where it's not like you hear you get this equation, you plug it in once, and that's going to be it for the rest of your life. It's more of like you have more of a formula, and that formula is constantly evolving and constantly adjusting. And you're the one who has to keep adjusting the numbers and the formula yourself. So I think that's important too. Where like there's never going to be a specific answer. We're not going to give you like this is the exact way to do it, and then you're going to have it for the rest of your life, and it's going to be something that's never going to fail you. But it's more of like as you get older, and I'm sure with I've seen with Buffon and Casillas, those 
those kind of guys, especially Casillas, who's not as athletic anymore. He's had to change his starting points, his set stance, mm-hmm. his set shape. He's had to set, he had to change so much to adjust to his new toolbox. So Sasuke, for you, I mean, if, as you as you got older in the game, did you feel like that was a constant conversation you were kind of having with yourself? I mean, I suppose yes. Maybe there was some positioning change. <laughs> <laughs> What is going on? Maybe there was some positioning. That's Coco. Maybe there was some positioning changes, like depending on distance and my 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 explosiveness might have slowed down. I mean, I don't. Um, I think I retired before it really slowed down. But um, but I think I th- yes, I agree with that. And I think Mike and I we talked about that with t- um, over the weekend when we were having a meeting with some goalkeepers about like Timmy Howard and how like. It, there came a time where he, you know he had such a high high set position. I know of getting off track where he needed to back that up, where he needed to maybe reassess it because his his speed, his explosiveness had changed. But I do think that there's not like a set way to do things properly, per se. But there are definitely some ways to do things wrong, and I think and that, <laughs> yes. that's across the board. Okay. And and I think that that like in the video when you in the video when he's he's coming across had he had short steps had he had he been should i say should i say instead of just trying to it's obvious he's trying to move towards the near post and get into position and instead he gets wrong footed because he's still moving if he would have done short steps if he would have been like in that am i gonna set am i gonna set he would have been able to set and maybe come and redirect his body and go back yeah so i think there are absolutely wrong ways to do things you know, it's really interesting that you bring that up because I feel personally that I've changed my set stance uh, as a keeper. Not that I've played at the level of Saskia or Aline or anything like that, but I, I have changed my set stance uh, just in regards to uh, things such as like, uh, okay, well, I've got an injury. Like I have a labral tear on my left hip. And because of that, like I don't have the same type of fluidity and mobility that I, I used to in that left side. Um, I had a, a left ankle, you know, I had re, uh, reconstructive surgery and my lateral movement changed and stuff like that. So um, I noticed that my stance uh, changed. Alina, did you ever notice that uh, with, with any injuries or Saskia with any injuries that your set stance changed because of that? No, not really. I mean, no. I mean, I think my biggest thing probably was my, I had knee surgery before, like two years before the 99 World Cup. I wasn't like a, it wasn't like an ACL or anything. It was like this random thing. But I mean, I had to work hard to get my strength back to where it needs to be. So I didn't have to alter um, those things. And, you know, my set stance, my, you know, how I moved and stuff like that. It, you know, that came with rehab. Yeah. Alina? Yeah. It's very interesting that we're talking about this topic because, and this is funny because off the bat, you're like, Alini, I want to talk about this. So you didn't even get any info on what was happening during my season. But um, I think, so in the beginning of the season, I had a struggle, like some struggles with my hip flexor. So, um, you know, like it, it wasn't an injury that kept me from playing, but it was bothering me. And I realized that, well, I didn't realize, and that's why, uh, thank goodness, I have great coaches that can help me. Uh, because when you're playing, it's like, it's so hard for you to see things. But um, I, with time, because of my hip flexor, I think, I started, my set position started getting higher and higher. And I wasn't doing the contact set position. And then I started realizing uh, that I didn't have much more power. And I thought I was getting... I thought really I was getting old or 
you know, like maybe I needed to do some more strength training or <laughs> work more on my power. Uh, you know, like for, during that point of my season, I was like, oh my God, I'm not the same anymore. Like, where's my power? Yeah. And I actually, um, you know, I called Donna all the way in America, all, all the way in, or in Orlando. And I said, look, I need your help. I don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, can you watch some of my my videos and some of my games and, and see uh, if you can tell me anything? And the first thing that she said is like, why is your set position so high? Like, that's that's not the linear that I know. Um, you know, your set position should be uh, a lo slightly lower. And then right before the shot, you should get compact. You should get... Uh, a, a lot lower so you have the power so she said it's not like it's not that you're not strong anymore or you don't have power it's just like the way you're setting you're not giving your body uh, a good chance for it to be successful so you're yeah. not setting for success um and this is i'm talking about this past season so like yeah. i'm 30 31 playing for how long and i think this is uh, a testament for how important it is to continue to work on the little things yeah. it's like it doesn't matter that i play uh, uh in spanish first, first division that i'm with the national team i was <laughs> i found myself working on my set position again yeah no but and i agree with that 100 like and sometimes coming off an injury there's also something up here you know what i mean like if you know your hip flexor starts and you maybe your your baby's you're babying it my knee like stuff like that then you're not going as deep because there's something in your head that's like you know and so you have to retrain that and you but you constantly have to train you constantly do on your footwork on your set positions on the basic stuff on your balance on everything yes so important that your coach who is with you every single day and training you it's so important that you remind your keepers of that. It's, it, you know, I, and, and that's something I had here. It's like my coach was thinking about all like these great saves and, you know, oh, we're elite goalkeepers and we need to be working on, um, you know. For 90 uh, saves. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I'm like, no, but that's, and I had to, he's a great guy. And we, I think uh, we both have grown with the season. And I had to talk to him about, look, like um, every league goalkeeper, if we don't have the foundation down, if we don't mm -hmm. work on the basics every single day, yeah. and you need to be reminding me of those uh -huh. things because I'm not watching myself, I'm just training. So uh, I really miss that, you know? So I think this, this says how important it is for the goalkeeper coaches out there to be looking for the simple things, the basic things, because uh, you know, sometimes we, we forget about it and sometimes we don't do it. And you need to remind your keepers of the little things. And when Donna Donna did that, and it was like magic, like the next game I had was so much better. Like you see, you see the the improvement right off the bat. Yeah. No. I, I, I work a lot personally, just in regards to me as a goalkeeper coach, I work a lot personally on small little adjustments with goalkeepers and sometimes the sessions might not look that exciting but we're working on specific little things that you can improve and and sometimes it's very difficult for younger goalkeepers to understand that because they they see you know these really complex you know drills and, and all that you know on on television or social media or whatever and they go but i think that's what goalkeeping is but omar you, you seem to do a good job of being able to showcase how 
every specific technical element goes into a profound session such as you put up on, on your page. Yeah. And I think, again, that's, that's my evolution as a coach where I used to try to make everything so perfect, which wouldn't really expose any of the issues. And I think, again, that has to do with, I mean, I wanted people to leave my sessions feeling comfortable, feeling confident, but the real improvements, like Lene just said, is just kind of like you have to be able to have your coach expose those for you. And then you guys have a collaborative conversation. And once you have those conversations, then you guys can have like action items of how, you know, what it is you want to improve. But until you expose those faults or expose that what you see from De Gea is not your body type and you can't do that, they're going to keep thinking that. And they're, they're, they're yeah. their best teacher, their teacher is going to be the game and not something that you, you can control in a setting. But real quick, I want to show you guys another video. I have so many, I have so many clips, guys, and I have so many things that I remember from like specific moments of this. And I want to show you guys this. This is 2016 or 2017, the uh, FA Cup final, Arsenal versus Chelsea. Okay. And uh, Ospina gave up this goal. He was too wide. And because he was too wide, he couldn't get his arms activated mm -hmm. outside. And you guys, again, it's Diego Costa shooting from about 12, no, like, like nine yards away. And if it's, it's so close that maybe that adjusted what he thought in his head. But let me show you guys and anybody who's watching, let me see what you guys think of this. Just watch how wide he is. And he can't pick up his feet. And because of that, he's like slapping at the ball. Yeah. So let's see, hopefully... They uh they show the replay here. Just watch his legs, how wide he is, and he can't move. Yeah, and yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I was talking about about too wide of a stance. There's no, there's no power there. There's no you can't yeah. react. You your your balance is off. Think like get up anybody watching and stand that wide, and then tell yeah. me if you can move quickly laterally down to the ground. Like yeah. you can't. You can't. Like, it's no. like you have to try to kick your leg out from under, and just that motion of kicking your leg out from under takes yeah. the balls in the back of the net. That, you know, as opposed to a, a smaller stance, and now your hand can go down, and now you can get down. Like, you can't. I, I challenge anybody. Just go. Go try to dive over there. <laughs> well, well, also, yeah. when, you're in a, when you're in a balanced stance, you can have clean, small steps when you're regards, regarding to your footwork. When you're in a big stance like that, you physically can't because you're not – there's no way for that next shift step to be balanced with the other one. You're always going to go one big step yeah. and then you're going to lock your weight. Yeah. Well, and can you tell me in that kind of a stance is your weight forward? How can you, how can you have your weight forward? You have to be, you have to be more flat footed in that stance, like, which yeah. means you're not attacking the ball either. So. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about this with Aline uh, in regards to shock absorption. Um, again, one of the, one of the activities that I saw you doing during quarantine was just a simple handling activity. Um, with shots coming at you from one time um, and your window was nice and tight and your shock absorption was nice and tight. One mistake that I think a lot of goalkeepers make in regards to their stance is because their stance is so rigid, it disallows the shock absorption for them to be able to clean handle the ball. Is that something you see too? Yeah, that's a, a very good point. And I think um, what helps with the shock absorption is um, the idea of, okay, your head is slightly forward, so your hips are bent, right? So if you're if you're rigid with your hips, you're not a, you're not able to do. Uh, it's a slight movement for shock absorption. The other thing that really helps me is exhaling when the ball hits my hands, because that when you uh, you put your air out, so your sometimes uh, goalkeepers hold their breath, right, and then when they catch the ball like this, like they're so rigid, their muscles are so tight that it's very hard sometimes to, to hold on to a hard shot, uh, a hard shot. So when the ball's coming, I always make sure that, okay, ball hits my hands. And I think it's already automatic, uh, automatic in my head. It's like, okay, 
exhale because that sort of relaxed all of my upper body, my traps, my my arms, and I think um, I'm just able to hold on to the ball better. I find I agree a, a thousand percent. I find also that a lot of kids. I always I was just this. Coco agrees. I also use this. Um, well, don't let the ball hit, don't let the ball play you. Do you know what I mean? You have to, like you said, you have to kind of work with the ball. And, I, you know, it's not an over-exaggerated reach and catch, but you have to kind of meet the ball and then have the shot control. You can't just be here, catch the ball, catch the ball. Don't let the ball hit you. You catch the ball. And that's what I'm trying yes. to tell our kids. You catch the ball. That's <laughs> okay. That's exactly it. What are we going to uh, talk about next? It's the mentality. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of coaches, they train their keepers to be – uh, shot blockers boom 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 block the shot block the shot and you're giving up rebounds you're giving up corners and I think the mentality is the number one thing like you want to train your goalkeepers to hold on to the ball yeah. uh, as many times as they can the the pairing the the rebound should be your last resource yeah uh, sometimes like okay you're doing a back to the bar save you're not going to hold on to the ball you have to give up a corner but most of the times, it's the mentality thing. If you train your goalkeepers like, like Saskia uh, is talking about, attack the ball. You own the ball. You attack the ball. You're not letting the ball come to you. I think, uh, I think that could be really helpful. Mike, uh, just one thing for, for both of us. I mean, all of us have been co college coaches. And I think when I was younger, one of the reasons why I thought I was a good shot stopper and why I got better at my set shape and all that stuff is because we used to do something called shooting clinic. And Mike, I'm sure you know this from Sharif. And it was, uh, the keepers would, would, it would be free for goalkeepers, but the, the shooters had to pay. And it would probably be like 15 or 20 shooters. And the coach would drop the ball from different angles and have one touch finishing, two touch finishing, overlap finishing, and like half volleys, full volleys. And I remember I would step into those uh, exercises. And obviously once you get scored on, the next goalkeeper goes in. But it was just, I, I started finding different ways to, okay, if they're a right-footed shooter coming from, the, from my right side, if they're probably going to bend it to the far post, I'm not going to go there early, but I know that if they go far post, I'm ready to shuffle and then tip over. Like I'm ready to go. So I just started figuring out different things in the game. And I think for us college coaches, I tell my goalkeepers all the time, like, yes, when we get into shooting drills with the team, there's going to be times where it's not going to be functional for us, but can we try and use this time wisely? Can you step in this stop this cut back and just focus on the movement can you just focus on your prep set or your preset play around with different things and see what works for you maybe you don't like to be so high maybe let's try and create some depth on your line because it gives you more time to access your shot stopping ability so i think there's still time for these goalkeepers whether it's in a college session training with their friends go out there and figure out ways to accumulate data and accumulate data to in your own head to go Oh, I tried it wide from this angle before. Okay, maybe I'll keep it a little bit more narrow, but I know that if it goes to my near post low, I can sweep my leg quick because I'm narrow enough to, to sweep. You know what I mean? So there's, there's different like data points that you can start accumulating as a goalkeeper. And so in these little exercises that you do in college, they shouldn't just be a waste of time. You should go in there and try and have action items that, that you, and, you and the coach can kind of discuss. And then from there, those discussions will lead to like more thought provoking from them. And then once their thoughts and their kind of, ideas start creeping into their mind they can really become students of the game 
I, I want to bring up one thing real quick in regards to, we've been talking about a low set stance. And I think one of the issues that a lot of kids have, and that's why I want to address it right now, is when they think setting low, they think shoulders forward, head forward, going with their back, using their lower back, as opposed to actually look at using their hips and their glutes to drop down and get into a quarter squat shape. So Alina, you're really good at this. Can you kind of explain what that low set looks like so that people can kind of know what I'm talking about. Mainly, I'm just, I'm just talking to all the kids that I train because I want them to hear it from a <laughs> So that they know that I'm, they know I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just making something up. Well, I think when, when you think of a good uh, balance set position, like, uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to get set right here. <laughs> uh, but you think about your shoulders, uh, your knees and your toes, sort of a, they're aligned vertically, like, it's like a vertical line that crosses like your, your shoulder, your knees, and your toes. And that's, that's when you know, okay, this is, this is the first thing here. I got it. I'm balanced. And then your head should be slightly uh, in front of it, right? So it's not like that's the thing. Like what you just talked about, some keepers think that, okay, I'm going to get low. I'm just going to move my, my shoulders forward, right? And that's, that's not the vertical line that we're talking about. Your shoulders should be on the same line as your knees and your toes. So I think that really helps um, to paint the picture for the goalkeepers. Because sometimes as well, not the older ones, but I've seen really young keepers getting lower by bending their knees so much that it's like almost in front of their toes. It's like <laughs> you a know? So, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> exactly. So that's the idea. It's like, okay, one uh, vertical line, toes, knees, shoulder, head slightly over your sticking out and 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 i think that's uh that's a good set position and reminder this is in a split second so all you goalkeeper coaches out there it's not like hey get in your set position and now the kids stay there for like like two seconds or five seconds nobody nobody does that no this is this is movement footwork 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 set you know, I, I can't. Yeah. I, I can't stand when I see goalkeeper coaches and they're just having just kids like in yeah, and they're and they're just having and they're having the move around the grid like that. But it's like it's it's not natural. I think. <laughs> or, no, that, I love that. I love that. It's and, like and shuffle, shuffle. shuffle. They're like shuffling across eighteen yards. The ball. Yeah. And like, and I'm like, who moves like that? Like yeah. And I yeah. tell my and I tell my kids, I'm like, can you just get to that position as fast as possible? And then your last two steps, maybe into a shuffle and a and a set. I go, yeah. who? This isn't like we're not doing <laughs> basketball line drills. Like you're not, you know. It was like, and I'm just like, okay, like we the ball passed you like ten minutes ago. Like, you can't yeah. Move yeah. So Mike, that's that's yeah. But Mike, I think that goes back to like our recent conversation about, uh, I, use, I call it fast approach to arrival and a lot of people go like fast movements into slow movements, but I think there's different ways to get into set positions and I think that's also a, a talking point as well. Like you can get a straight on like set position where the ball got swung from one corner of the 18 to the other side or like, you know, from corner of the 18 to a shot up top. Yeah. That's a slight movement. And then from there, then sometimes you have balls that are, you, you show at the angle for a shot and they ended up cutting the ball all the way back to like the PK spot. And you either have to turn, cross step, or like turn and then one quick shuffle. But like while you're on the move, you, like you said, Lena, early on, like the most important thing of anything for a goalkeeper is getting set. So when, whether you're on the it's move, cute. everything that we're talking about technique-wise and like everything we're talking about, like, you know, making sure you're narrow versus wide, nothing is going to be able to happen unless you slow your body down on that movement to allow that technique to come to the forefront. So I think that's important that you couple 
the movement, but also coupling that technique that we're talking about. I usually tell, I mean, I know it's a weird, especially my youngest, I'm like, just be an athlete, just move, you know? Um, and you'll find that, you know, cause they get these drills, they get this movement into their head and they're, um, what's the word for it? They're too, not analytical, they're definitely not that. They're overthinking. They're, yeah, they're, <laughs> they, they take things, they take things too specific, too verbatim, like too specifically, I'm missing the word right now. But it's like, you guys- let's Literal? Too, yeah, too literal, thank you. <laughs> and it's true, they take things too literal. And it's like, okay, we're gonna work on, you know, like, you know, shuffling or whatever, and they'll shuffle. Like, and you're just yeah. like, I need, you, I need you to be an athlete. You know, how would you move, how would you flow and move to that position to get to a ball that just went from there across to there? How, how would you do it? Just go. And then yeah. as you get there and you'll find you have the natural ability, you're gonna, you know, get there as fast as possible. And then you slow it down and then you go into your final two steps, you know? But it's, it, they're so literal and you have to kind of break that concept of it. And it's funny and then funny watch sometimes. <laughs> Exactly. And then talking about like a training, you know, the set position. So the, the, the set position that I just explained, the split second before the shot's taking. A lot of coaches think that they need to come up with this uh, elaborate drills to train the set position. And no, like every single day when you start your session with volleys, you should be working on the keeper's set position because yeah, every volley you should be set. So you're relaxed, relaxed. Ball's coming, set, save. So it's like, it's as simple as hitting volleys and saying, okay, focus on your set position. Yeah. Um, the, the drill that you talked about, Michael, that I do a lot here in the apartment. Um, so it's like, I, I give the ball, uh, Bruna is about, um, I don't know, five, six yards away. I give the ball on the ground and she one touches the ball. So. Uh, what I do is once I give the ball, I'm relaxed, I'm relaxed. When I see that she's about to hit it, boom, set position and catch it. And it's like, it's a simple drill. I do that drill too. I do that drill too. And sometimes I, cause it's just like, you're, you're stealing a little bit of space when you roll it back, if you're outside as well. So yes, you, you're yes. stealing space. You're not staying where you are. You roll the ball back. You take a preset, you steal a little bit of space. You set, you catch, boom, boom. And sometimes I like, well, I will evolve that. If I back up, I'll evolve that into, I'll, I'll touch it left or right. Like I'll take a long touch. So you'll roll it back to me. You set because you think you're thinking I'm gonna pop it, and I might just take a long touch. So now you have to set, and now you have to move. Do some thing and go pick it up. But it's so simple, and you don't need you don't need cones or anything. And again, you're not stagnant. You know, you don't want to sit there and be like, yes, we all do it. Like, hey, let's hit the volleys back and forth. But if you can add a little bit of movement in to hitting volleys, that automatically practice setting, setting, setting. You know. Yes. And, and it also it also keeps them active because the worst thing I see is like when a, co a goalkeeper coach goes, all right, guys, hit 20 volleys, and it's just a bunch of dudes or, or women standing there flat-footed, and they're right. just kind of just catching balls here and there willy-nilly, and like their arms are locked, and they just don't care, and they're just kind of just getting right. get, going through the motions. And I'm like, is that what you're going to do in a game? Like you should every single warm-up activity, every single movement preparation you do at the beginning of your training session should prepare you for the game. Otherwise, but, why are we warming up? But because of the quarantine, and I want to say this, and a lot of keepers are doing wall work right now. So whether you're hitting volleys off the wall and stuff like that, we get it. You know what I mean? It's hard to hit yourself a volley and do like a pre-stretch and a, a movement. But what you can do is when you hit that volley, boom, you get set again. 
And what I see a lot of kids that don't do when they're doing wall work is they kick the ball, they stand up straight, and they catch the ball. You know what I mean? No, every time you kick the ball off that wall while you're in quarantine, you're doing your wall work, make sure you're immediately back in your set position, weight forward, reaching and catching the ball. And it'll, it takes that same quick second to do that, you know? And if you're just going to sit there straight up and kick a ball and catch it, you're not training. That's another thing that I've been doing, hitting the wall. And it's so funny. Like when, okay, so I start hitting a little bit slower, right? Not, not with a lot of power and I have more time. So I hit it. I know I'll be able to set, catch the ball. And then I start speeding it up yeah. a little bit harder. And sometimes like I get to points that I'm hitting so hard that I have to hit and get set so quickly. So fast, and it's yeah. tough. It's so tough. It's tough. It's a great work. Yeah, I tell my keepers to start at 10 yards, and then if you want, come in. And so you're yes. working on your reaction, you're speeding up that setting and everything like that. But if, if you're not doing that, keepers out there, and if you're just hitting the ball off the wall and catching it, you're not in set position, then you're, you're chaining bad habits. So, so speaking, speaking, speaking of quarantine, I want to ask all, all, all three of you guys here um, in regards to this, because I think something that, that a lot of people have been focusing on during the quarantine time is a lot of performance enhancement in regards to how they move their bodies and all that sort of stuff. And one thing that I think is so important when it comes to set, when your set shape and your set position is flexibility. And you can't get, and one of the reasons I think that a lot of kids have trouble getting down and getting set low is because they don't have that hip flexor flexibility. So if, if anybody here wants to kind of like elaborate on that in regards to how beneficial it is to work on that flexibility so you can really drop that butt like Aline was talking about and get set. Well, I'll tell you right now, I, I will say, as I got it older, it got back on harder. And I've always said, look, I hate yoga and stuff like that because it hurts, but uh, you guys, you got, you have to, you have to stick with it. You have to be flexible because that, and it, it leads to your agility. It leads to all of that. Um, as I got older, like my, like I had lower back problems and stuff like that. Um, because my hamstrings were tight because my IT band was tight because it wasn't as flexible. And so, I mean, it's as simple as that while you're in quarantine, put on a yoga, I'm serious, put on a yoga video twice a week and get your stretching in. And all soccer players are at fault for it. We all end practice. We're like, all right, kids, see you later. Or, okay. I mean, college is different. Obviously, you know, we, they've got, well, we do, we've got trainers and this and people are stretching them and everything else is going on. But for the ad average person and for the kids that are training, get it in because it, it, you'll, last, you'll definitely, your career will last longer, I think. And yep. um, it, it's important for everything, for your stretch, for your pre-stretch, for your setting, for your, your ability to explode and balls you can get to, get down to, bending over, everything. So. Omar, how many guys yeah. have, you, have you trained that if they hadn't, been, if they hadn't, if they'd taken better care of themselves in regards to flexibility, they wouldn't have gotten the same type of injuries and they also would have had better performances overall. Uh, yeah, no, I think, uh, the injuries and I haven't really come across anybody who's been injured because their, their lack of flexibility, but I think the lack of flexibility also has hindered their ability to make certain, certain saves low and quick because they couldn't contort their body in that quick of a, a like a split second decision. So I think I've had last goalkeeper I had, he had a pretty insane stretch routine. He actually just posted about it today, but, like he has an insane stretch routine that like really loosens his body up. And the conversation that he and I had was just like, there's a reason why he does it because he has certain tools that he wants to try and access. And if he's not completely stretched out the way he wants to, and doesn't have like freedom and, and uh, of motion, then he can't access those tools. So I think there comes a time where like uh, uh, Sasuke said, like you need to get that habit in now 
So as you get older, you're not, not having to play catch up. You already have it in. Absolutely. Yeah. Whether it's all five, 10 minutes a day, just something you can, something you, something you don't have to start from scratch on. And I think to, to your point, Mike, for me personally, had I done that growing up a little bit more and taking care of myself a little bit more, my career definitely would have lasted a little bit longer just because I was like, even now I strike balls and my knees have like a oh. tendonitis in my left knee, my right knee, my lower <laughs> back. Like, oh. Hold on. Hold on. So Omar, you think your, you think your pro career would have lasted longer if you had taken better, had, had worked more on flexibility throughout your youth? is what you're saying. Let's correct that. If I had a pro career, then yes, it would have lasted longer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think even, even, even in college, I think I actually just kind of had this like uh, realization with myself is that my line for like my threshold of where I want to get to physically and mentally and all that stuff in terms of like soccer and, and getting fit is not horrible, but it's not at a point where I can like keep pressing on the gas and keep trying to get better. Like I have a certain threshold that I've made okay in my mind, even in college where like once I get to this point I've eaten you know uh, I didn't eat that that you know that meal this this day or I went to the gym for two weeks three weeks then I'm good to go like I'm back to where I need to go and I take my foot off the gas so mm. I think that has been had if I had played professionally that would have been something that coaching hopefully somebody would have said look on the first day we got to improve your diet so that you don't just think that once you get to two weeks in the gym or you know one clean week of, of eating then that's it you have to keep on going and going and going so what i'm trying to say is establish good habits now yeah or else they're going to catch up to you in the long run by the way omar i just yeah. want to let you know that uh going on pro trials counts as being a professional if you if you know what it's like <laughs> to be. yeah when you talk to other goalkeeper coaches they'll call themselves professionals so just just know that so <laughs> I think uh, just as important as the flexibility is something that has been really um, people teams are really working on it's the mobility so we talked about flexibility of, of the muscles but then you got to think about the mobility of the joints uh, which is so important for goalkeepers if you don't have good shoulder mobility if you don't have good hips mobility knee mobility and even ankle mobility all of your technique is going to suffer so um, I think nowadays, um, you know, there's so much information out there that if you are uh, interested in, in evolving and getting better uh, and improving, uh, you can go online and, and there's simple things that you can find that are going to help you have a good, good routine, good habits yep. for you to, for your career to last long. Because just like Omar said, it's not about, it's not only about flexibility, it's not only about mobility. I think when you think about an athlete, uh, there's so many factors that, that play in and there's so many things like your nutrition, your sleep quality, uh, your recovery afterwards. So if you, if you can have those good habits when you're still young, right, it's a lot better than if you wait for you to start um, behaving like an athlete when you're 30 or, or older. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, we, we've been going over an hour now, guys, and I, I appreciate everybody taking that time. Um, so we're going to start wrapping it up here soon. So we have a nice tidy podcast for everybody, but, um, before we go, um, is there's a couple things I want to do. One is, as I want to see if anybody out there has any advice for any goalkeeper coaches out there who are working with kids who are having trouble getting in a good set stance, um, what activities you would, uh, you would say for them or, um, just a, a general a thoughts on how, what they could say to convey that information to the goalkeepers. Well, I think uh, we go back and listen to the podcast. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I just thought. You know what, guys? You know what? Maybe we'll just edit that out. Fine. We'll finish. We're going to finish with this instead then. 
okay. I w- I'm going to finish with this then. We're just going to give a shameless plug to Aline and her videos. Uh, right. <laughs> we already give enough of them to, to Omar, so we don't need to do that. Um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll one, do- more thing, one more thing, Mike. Yeah. What I would say, though, is also the best thing, the best tool that I have, I've, I've realized works the best is obviously no surprise to all of us, but like filming. Like I have my GoPro out there. I have my, my iPad out there and I show them exactly. Yeah, I show them exactly what it looks like. I'm like, look, I even had one recently, not recently, like a year ago, but I had this kid who every time he had a shot, he would jump into a wide stance and yeah. he would literally just like swing at balls. He wasn't the highest level uh, goalkeeper, but I'm like, even though you're not that high level and you're- Wait, hold on. He would swing like at JV, balls like this? Because because he was so wide that he didn't have the ability to dive and he would just try and like reach it with his arm. So anything that was just slightly out of his reach that he couldn't get. So I showed him the film and I said, look, you know, I don't care if you're playing high school, whatever, like no one likes to concede goals and everyone likes to play well and feel like at every opportunity they can make a save. So let's look at the film, showed him the film. He goes, oh my God, I'm immobile. I can't move when I jump into that wide stance. So again, for him, now he has a picture that's painted for him and he goes, crap, I don't have to worry about, I have to worry about Omar, what Omar says, but like he's saying it for a reason and this is the reasoning. So I think as long as you can not prove, but like show your goalkeepers that what you're saying has like actual backing by data or film or whatever it is that they can't really contest because it's, it's the truth. That is the best way I think as a coach, we can go about it because now they're learning more about themselves versus us telling them about themselves. All right. Can I, can I plug Alina's videos now? Can I plug, plug Alina's videos? <laughs> really yeah, quick, before you do that, Alina, Sam and Amanda, say hi. Oh, man, I love them, and I miss them so much. <laughs> no, seriously, seriously. Let them know. I, told, I took a Snapchat, and I said, Luke is on the podcast, and they're, like, screaming on my phone right now. <laughs> You're still on Snapchat? <laughs> no, amazing time. I had such an amazing time at UCLA. Oh, my God. I, You know, people ask me a lot about my time at UCLA because it's the time that I retired from soccer and wasn't playing, was coaching, and, and they asked me, like, um, do you think your career would have been different if you didn't take that break and, and things like that? But, you know, I don't regret it for one second. And I think my career as a coach, like coaching at UCLA, actually made me a better player afterwards. So uh, for me, like those four years were in- incredible, not for me just as a coach, but as a, a person, like yeah. being around uh, really amazing people and and just being at UCLA. I mean, everyone knows yeah. the of greatness yeah. at UCLA, and uh, you're surrounded by greatness. So for me, it yeah. was amazing. I'm I can so say brilliant. I can say no matter how long I coach at UCLA, I'm not coming out of retirement. <laughs> I'm pretty done. <laughs> All right, Mike, plug the video. All right, I'm gonna plug the video. So. Uh, <laughs> So, um, Alina, obviously you've got a very active social media page. Um, obviously it's, um, uh, on, on Instagram and on, on Facebook, you got your fan page and everything like that. And you've been posting these videos kind of showcasing kind of what you've been doing during the quarantine to kind of improvise at home and still get great sessions out of the way. Um, can you kind of share some of these, uh, ways that you've been able to, uh, overcome the, because in Spain, you actually had a situation where you guys literally couldn't leave, right? Like you guys actually couldn't go outside. Exactly. Well, actually, this week was the first week after 50 days that we have certain times of the day that we're able to go out, go for a walk, go for a run. Uh, But for 50 days, uh, we could not leave the house just to go to the supermarket, 
to the pharmacy, oh, wow. just urgent things. Yes. And, uh, and I live in a studio. So luckily it's a, it's a big studio. Uh, but you know, every day I, I want to train I want to do goalkeeper stuff. I have to move like things away, you know, put the table over there, uh, push the, the, the bed a little bit to the side. And then I have some space, uh, to work. And I mean, uh, before uh, we see the videos and, and I share some of the ideas, I think uh, the biggest thing is the mindset. I mean, when you want it, you find a way, you no? Know? Because I had all the excuses to do Not nothing. Like, yeah. you know, I can't run, I can't, I, I, I don't have space to kick a ball or whatever. And, and, but excuses, everyone has a lot of them. So you just gotta have the mentality that that's what you want and you're gonna find a way to do what you gotta do. Are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna pull up some of the videos right now like Omar did with his screen the screen share or are they uh are you gonna just have them I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We'll have we'll have them go to your page. Yeah, um, yeah you can also we can also when we edit rethink um re yes. we can probably throw some in. Very true. Very, very, very true. And man, Omar, where'd you find that picture? That's awesome. I love that picture. <laughs> That's from <laughs> Rio, 2016. The Olympics. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Um, well guys, that's, uh, I, th I think we've, uh, we've, we've, I mean, honestly, we've gone over an hour, hour and 15 on, on set stance, but it, but it is that important a topic. It really, it really is. Um, all right guys. Well, uh, it, it, and it's good conversation. Look at absolutely. Right honestly. I mean, Alina, anytime you want to come back on, please, please seriously, you, you're always so, I remember, uh, when, when Omar and I, when we had you on, uh, during the world cup, uh, and by the way, I couldn't believe that you, you took that time during such an important you know, time of your life to, to, to come on the show and, and did over an hour with us as well too. But Omar gets off and he goes, man, she's so smart. <laughs> <laughs> and he has never, he has never told me Omar said that about me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. I'm secure with myself. <laughs> it's okay. Aline only but, speaks hey, 17 languages. Oh yeah. Okay. No, but no, I did. But I was watching a uh, Netflix documentary yesterday. And it was about the 99ers, and I did okay. see Saskia. So that was—I mean—that's all I really care about. That's all. Oh, I, really okay. that's I saw awesome. you with your hair, and I saw you running around when you guys were celebrating. It was like—it was a short documentary, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, like, I know. When I watch it, when I watch it, I'm like, oh, I think there I am. I think, oh, there I am. Every once in a like every once in a while. No, but it was that—that that was cool. That was awesome. Thanks. We need to, uh, man. There's got to be some sort of. Um, there's someone's got to have some footage from Japan. I got to see some footage from Japan. From Japan? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to, you, you don't want to see that? No, I, I doubt there's footage from Japan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's on like an eight, uh, eight millimeter. <laughs> all right let's get out of here all right well, let's get out of here all right uh alina 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 so if, if anybody wants to know more about your content where you got your because honestly you do such a great job of, of providing a lot of really cool resources for the entire goalkeeper union out there with your videos and, and and your posts and all that stuff and they're really inspirational to a lot of a lot of players out there i know you know they, they comment on them all the time and sometimes they just make me feel good you know i remember i saw one <laughs> You know, and it was like, man, missing this feeling. I'm like, oh man, I am, I am too. Oh man. Yes. Um, so, well, you know what I miss the most? I miss the smell of grass. <laughs> like that's what I miss. Like it's crazy. I know, <laughs> but you I know, know um, yes. 
And uh, again, like, I just want to thank you guys. Like, what an amazing group of coaches and, and people that I, I get to have a conversation about goalkeeping. Like, that's awesome. Like, and uh, I'm so glad about technology that allows us to do stuff like this. And, you know, it's a podcast. People are going to be able to listen to this as many times as they want. And I think we 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 gave great tips about set positions about the for me like the foundation of goalkeeping i mean i i always say like you want to see a good like i can tell a good goalkeeper from mm -hmm. just watching them saving volleys you know like it's crazy like it's true you, of, of course like they might not they might have some weaknesses this and and that decision making whatever but you can tell a technical goalkeeper from when they're just starting the warm-up and, and they're saving the volley so I mean, I think it was a great topic, and thank you so much for inviting me. For sure, and it's 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 Aline Heis, which R E I S, for uh, on Instagram, yes, my right? My name. Okay. My name, Aline Heis. Uh, <laughs> oh, Heis, not Heis. Okay. I'm uh, gonna have to follow Hayes. you. Uh, Aline Heis. Football. <laughs> uh, football, uh, like in Spanish. So F U T B O L. So Alini Hayes, Alini Hayes football. And then also you got your Facebook page too. It's the exact same. It's, it's, oh, that's just a, your name though, right? That one's just All your name. Same. Okay. No, and the same, uh, same on Twitter? Just, um, ooh, Twitter. I don't use Twitter that much. Also, also now. I don't even remember. Also now, do, now do you, are, now are you and Omar going to have a competition on who has the most Instagram followers? Because I think you guys <laughs> have two of the biggest Instagram followers that I know of, of, of goalkeeper let's people. Let's see, let's see. <laughs> I, I really need I, to step I don't know how many followers I have right now. You got 211,000. You have a, you have a people, lot. start following me. I mean, it's just, it's, my, it's like demographic. Yes. Kids, young kids, I I need to my demographic. My people are like, I love Instagram. Well, to so follow Saskia Weber at Saskia underscore Weber on Instagram. Yes. Guys, uh, at ProGK Academy underscore on Instagram for Omar. Um, if you've got a topic suggestion or a guest suggestion for Inside the 18, contact it inside the 18. That's the number 18 media.com or find us on social medias at Goalkeeper Podcast. I guess people can follow at Michael Majid too if they want. Um, that's all comedy stuff though. So if uh, people enjoy comedy <laughs> stuff that has nothing to do with goalkeeping, a lot of people have like gone on there. They're like, Hey man, I was expecting like a lot of stuff on like collapse diving. I'm like, no, this is like my personal page, dude. This is going to be okay. not what you want. <laughs> um, all right guys, we've been going for a while. That's all the time. We're out later guys. Hey, insiders, it's Michael. Before we go to segment two with Northern Ireland Goalkeeping Institute, just wanted to break in to let you know that our very own LA Goalkeeping Academy is providing free virtual goalkeeper training sessions every Friday afternoon. This is unlike any virtual session on the market. This is real goalkeeper training with real goalkeeper coaches. This is the same as an in-person private or group session. All you need is a parent or sibling to serve, some cones, and some balls. Plus, by signing up, you can get a 20% discount off a Techne Goalkeeper app subscription. Techne is the number one individual training app on the market, so this is incredible. For more information, reach out to contact at insidethe18media.com. Huge thanks to LAGKA and Techne for partnering with us, and on to NIGKI.
Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Magid. With me from bunker number one in Los Angeles is UCLA goalkeeper coach, former World Cup winner, Saskia Weber. And joining us from a bunker somewhere in Northern Ireland is Northern Ireland Goalkeeping Institute's Michael Doherty. What's up, man? I think yeah. this is the, the perfect example of isolation, being completely three different places at once. Yeah, we are practicing social distancing at another level right now here <laughs> on this on this podcast. We are live on Facebook Live right now for you guys who are watching it right now currently. Feel free to leave a comment. Um, speaking of comments, we're getting reviews from all over the world. Uh, shout out to everybody in uh, the UK who leaves reviews. I think it's because Michael chastises them to do it. Um, but uh, it's been absolutely fantastic. Over 300 worldwide. Make sure you're leaving your social media handle when you leave your review. Um, Twitter or Instagram is always best. And guys, what else are you doing right now? It literally takes 30 seconds. Like, I don't know what else you possibly could be doing right now that you can't take 30 seconds out of your day to just say, hey, I love everything Saskia is doing. Can you please get rid of that little guy with the Under Armour hat on the podcast? And, uh, and, and that's all you got to do, guys. Rate it five stars. Do that. Then you're eligible for prizes. Um, but honestly, thank you to all the insiders out there, guys, worldwide. You guys have been fantastic. Reviews from places like Dubai, Hong Kong, uh, Northern Ireland, Sweden, Australia, Mexico. It's just running the game. Oh, yeah, in the United States. We have some people who listen to us in the United States. So, uh, um, all right, let's, uh, let's get into today's topic uh, real quickly here. And um, I'm actually going to flip it uh, uh, back, back and forth right here. Um, I want to start with uh, working with large groups of goalkeepers. Uh, I want to keep it on the educational tip first before we get into Northern Ireland specifically, um, because there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of great videos there from Northern Ireland uh, that we're seeing, and, and they're literally just from your Goalkeeping Institute. No, I'm kidding. There's, uh, there's good stuff from, from everybody. Um, and uh, a lot of goalkeeper coaches have this issue where they've got a lot a lot of goalkeepers in a limited amount of space or a limited amount of time, and they don't know how to handle it. So let's start this out. First off, Michael, what is considered a large group of goalkeepers? Well, I think most people are comfortable with you groups of two, four, six. You know, once it gets above six, some, you know, most coaches that I know anyway struggle. Um, yes, they can put on a, a session, but it's very difficult to coach session. Um, and for me, I've learned through experience and through time of, of adapting to larger numbers. Um, it's something that we base all, we have to, we base all our, all our time around it because we have big numbers at, at the Institute. And I want to make sure that these, that these guys get as much um, hands-on from me and as much time management, uh, as much contact time with the ball and with each other as possible. Um, and I don't feel if you go back to the old school of everybody lining up or queuing up um, to take a volley off a coach, um, which might not be a particularly good one. Um, and then waiting five, six, seven, eight reps before they feel the ball again. You know, I don't, I don't feel that's the right way to go, but it's, it's how you structure that and how you manage it. And again, it's, it's just, for me, it's came through experience and through making a lot of mistakes um, and trying to learn from those mistakes and how to fix them for the benefit of the goalkeepers. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing I, I think that's really cool about, by the way, I was going to, I was really hoping that you said we have large groups of goalkeepers just so that we can do really cool drone shots at the Institute. Um, I was really hoping that was the, the reason you had large. <laughs> no, groups. because it, co it cost me too much money to do that. So we've stopped doing it. <laughs> 
Those are those are awesome, though, man. I, but I, I love what you're saying about the touches. And Saskia and I, we've actually discussed, discussed this quite a bit, is that you've got to make sure that when you have large groups that they're getting consistent reps and they're not just sitting around, right, Sask? Yeah, absolutely. I think, obviously, there's an age situation here. Like, you know, when you get, especially with the younger kids, um, number one, you have to keep them engaged. And so, um, and I, I agree with you, Michael, so much that having them stand in line with seven kids, 10 kids in a line and getting a rep from a coach, because we all know that they can't serve each other that well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. So we want to get a quality service in the way, like, I don't like uh, going to that, that many in a group. Have I yet? I've had to, but with the younger kids, I really don't like to, but when I do, I make sure that you know, if I'm doing the reps with them, they're not waiting in line. There's, there's some sort of a circuit set up that they're working through. Um, but again, too many kids in a group, you, this is the prime time to be coaching them and they need to be, you need to be watching them. And so I, I don't like going above with that age group, six, either seven, maybe. And, and, and what, and what age group are you referring to Saskia? Like I would say, well, my younger kids, like, um, my, like my eight, 10, 12 year olds and then getting very up, difficult. Yeah. yeah. It's incredibly difficult. And you know, cause you want to have quality time with them. And if, if you have too many in a group there, you're just, you're just hitting volleys and not getting the coach. And they're standing around. I agree with that. 100%. Yeah. You're losing, you're, you're losing them a little bit. And, one of, one of the things that I that I picked up on from someone, I can't remember who it was, but working with that age group, their attention spans obviously not as good or not no. as long. Um, and what and what he said, if you're if you're having them for an extended amount of time and it's a large group at that young age of eight, nine, 10, 11, um, he said, make it more game related. Yeah. Now, my, my first thought was thinking about the game. And he said, no, make it more fun and games. So come up, with idea, come up with little ideas that, um, and he, he threw you know, a few things in, like putting colored cones around and calling out uh, teams that, that referenced that color cone, you know, Manchester United, and they had a ball on their hands and they were diving towards the red cone or they were diving towards right. the blue cone for, for Italy. Or there was lots of different, different examples, but when you, when you came down to their level, you, you held their attention for much longer. And then the service element wasn't a problem because they were working with each other. Right. Um, they were getting lots and lots of touches of the ball with their hands and feet. And the, the main thing is they enjoyed it and they wanted to come back. Right. Yeah. It, keeping them engaged is if, if you can't, you got two little boys tackling each other in the corner because they're bored in line. I've seen it. <laughs> but, no, but then I think once we start getting up to like the, um, the upper age groups and stuff, you know, at this point, these guys should be able, you know, to serve volleys to each other. Like you can engage them with them helping train each other as well. And so, and, and with quality services. And so it, it becomes more functional that way. So I feel it becomes a bit easier to coach a bigger, bigger group, but ideally um, I like small groups. I mean, look, we all, we all never want to have too big a group. Um, because it's, it's going to make it very difficult to manipulate the, the, the space in order to really make it game realistic for us. One of the biggest mistakes I see a lot of goalkeepers make when they, when the goalkeeper coaches make, when they have a, a big group at, at an older age is I see them trying to make it all about 
the game, but it's not actually simulating the game. And I don't know if you guys know what I mean by that, but yeah. I mean, as in like, you're trying to make game situations yet the service isn't crisp or it's an artificial touch or the player knows where that ball's going. There's no sense of game game speed. Exactly. So you need to be more like a shadow play. Yes. More like a shadow play. Like a, when you're working on your back four and you're working on shape or, or, you know, some sort of positional sense and everything's very slow and everything, as you say, is very methodical and the goalkeeper knows what's happening early. But, I think one of the things that I found more beneficial and listen, it's easier for me because you're working with large groups of really good quality. Right. <laughs> and, and, and that, and that's the, and that makes it easy for the coach in most days that they all have their moments, but you know, when you put on a, a game related scenario that, that Michael mentioned there, and when we say it's live, it's live. Right. So it's, it's not scripted. Yes. We'll give them maybe the starting point and the end point. It starts with the goalkeeper playing out from the back. It breaks down somewhere at some point and it finishes with a cross, finishes with a shot, finishes with recovery save, whatever. But that's that's up to those guys to see it, how they see it at, at that point in time yeah. uh, and, to play, and to play it that way. Um, yeah. And I just think that's that keeps them engaged. I, you brought up a really good point, and I want to shout out something that, that Tim Dittmer, you know, a friend of the show, you know, said, um, is that you need to make sure that they are varying the service. Because if they're giving the same consistent service over and over again, it is going to get into that methodical type of play. So I love your, yeah, I love your engagement of now it's live. Okay, now you change. Now that service is now whatever you want to do. It's free flow. What would you do in a game? I always tell keepers whenever something happens in a session, and they go, yeah, but that's not what we were working on. I go, okay, but we're not in a training session. You understand? Training is for the game. What would you do in a game in that situation? Well, I would have done blah, blah, blah. Then why didn't you do that? It was like, this is what you're working on. Like, but now you're not thinking about it in the right standpoint because everything we're doing is for the game, you know? So I'd rather you improvise within a game rather than trying to do everything clean because that's what the coach told you to do, you know? And I, I think that's when we create these thinking goalkeepers rather than these goalkeepers that are just looking for the coach for the answers. Well, I think I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you said improvise, it because ultimately you want the goalkeeper to make saves in a game. You want them to keep the ball out of the net. Yes, as a coach, we want that to look technically perfect all the time, and you know that because that's our job and that's what we're judged on. But the manager or or, or the head coach or the, the supporters don't really care how the goalkeeper makes the save. So sometimes in training, when it happens like that, and it's a you know, a totally unrealistic, you know, technique that they're using. Sometimes you just have to let that go because. Oh, I you totally know. agree. I look at my, I look at my goalkeeper and I'll say, look, number one thing, priority, keep the ball in there. <laughs> okay. I'll yeah. break it down with you later, technically, and tell you, you know, that, you know, it was some, some crazy thing. You shaved, saved it off your elbow, but, but you kept the ball out of the net. And we can build yep. from there. And so I agree with you. Like that, you gotta let that go sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Hold on. And breaking. One, one news. The, go go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah. No, I was gonna say breaking news right here from Peter Hobson on the comment board right now. Can you give my son Smicker a big shout out as he's a big keeper? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> What's up, Smicker? Peter, you... Pe- Peter Hobson actually 
uh, spent some time at Clemson with me, so so he knows I'm on the show, and that's why he's. he's oh, okay. yeah, I, I I'm smart, and I do not tell my friends <laughs> yeah. doing this because I can't even imagine the weird comments. Well, as soon as, as, soon as <laughs> yeah. you as soon as you mentioned his name there, there was a, there was a little bit of nervousness crept over me. So oh cheers, boy. Pete. Um, that was I was just going to say about about working. Another thing about working with a large group, and again because it's it's a good quality group is they learn off each other. I think I think that especially my group, they learn off each other a lot more than they learn off me. Absolutely. And and, and what I mean by that is we just go back to the, you know, they have they all they're all different goalkeepers, different sizes, have different attributes. Uh, one of them will make a save or move his feet or attack the ball in a, in a certain way that works for him. And that's great. It may not work for the other goalkeepers. Right. For instance, I use the, the, the scoop technique. Um, a lot of goalkeepers now are just spreading their legs wide and just stopping the ball with their hands, where we used to be told, drop into the K-shape, you know, second barrier, all this. And some of my goalkeepers completely just kick their legs out of the ground and just let the ball hit them in the midriff. And there's all these different styles. If it doesn't work for someone or if someone's been coached in a certain way, i.e. the K-shape, and it's not working and he's, he's giving up rebounds or continually balls are, are bouncing off him, it's at that point as a coach where I can say, well, look at this other goalkeeper. Look at his technique of how he succeeds and try it. If it works for you, take it on board. If it doesn't, we'll find something else. No, and that's the biggest thing for me as a group is learning together. I love what you brought up right there, Michael, because that's a big mistake that a lot of young goalkeeper coaches make is they try to pigeonhole their goalkeepers to play like them. Well, their physical attributes might be completely different than who they are. If I trained my goalkeeper who's 6'6 to play like me, who's 5'9", it's not going to work. It's just, it's just not going to work. Just, there's different attributes there. So um, you need to make sure. Go ahead, Sasuke never just one way no there, there are plenty of different techniques and i agree with you michael like there are so many or you're both michael there's so many different techniques that i i say the same thing i'm like let's find what what works for you and if it works for you let's perfect it um yeah. and that's across the board with everything that's with whether you're doing a side volley or a drop kick or um you, like certain things like I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is the only way you should do this and this is how it's done. What, whatever works for you and is the most efficient and works best for the team and the game, let's perfect it. And that might yeah. be totally different for, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. So I, I want to bring up something real quickly that just came in the comment board here. And I think this is actually a really good question here in regards to working with large groups, because this becomes very difficult. And this comes from uh, Roberto Grasso. And he goes, what advice does Michael have for coaching and analyzing set pieces with young goalkeepers in this situation? Um, that, that's a fascinating question to me. I hadn't really thought about that in regards to working with youngers and set pieces. I think there's a time and place for everything. I don't know if large groups is really the best place to do that. I think you should more incorporate that with the team than just individually with the goalkeepers. How do you feel, Michael? Sometimes um, it needs to be done. And again, where the question is, how young are we talking here? So I think it gets to a certain age where they, they need to learn the tactical element of the game as well as the technical. Um, if, if I was working on set pieces with a, a large group of goalkeepers, lots of ways you can, you can implement that. Um, one of the biggest problems I, I think that young goalkeepers have when we're talking about set pieces is, first of all, they don't know how to set up a wall. 
or why they're even setting up the wall. They don't know then where to stand after the wall's set up. So we've, we've come up with a little routine and we and we phase this the whole way through to the senior goalkeepers. So regardless of where the ball is, this is for open play as well, but at the, at the minute set pieces, wherever the ball is, the first question they've got to ask themselves is, can he or she beat me from there? Can they score from there? If it was a free shot, more often than not, we're talking 35, 40 yards from the angle or very deep in, in, in the pitch. So the answer is more often than not going to be no, they can't. Okay, the second question we ask them is, so if they can't beat you, why, number one, are you standing on your goal line? As if the ball's 15, 18 yards out. Number two, where's the danger in this position? So we, we get them to come up with the answers. And, and again, this is even with young kids. And more and more of them are, are, are getting it. So they'll, they'll tell you, well, the danger area is here. It's between the penalty spot and the, the edge of the, of the D. Okay. So where are you going to now set your back four up? Where are you, you know, do you need a wall? Initially, they said they wanted three and a wall. The ball's 45 yards out on the angle. They don't need three. <laughs> so it's, it's continually just, and if you have a large group, I think if, if you're talking to them and coaching them in this way and asking them questions as a group and individuals, you can, you can coach that without actually physically having to whip set pieces in because you don't have the service. Um, you don't want the contact, especially with young goalkeepers. So I think you can, a little bit like a, a Subudio table or a, you know, a little tabletop football where you can place the, the players where you want them or where you think they should be, but they come up with the answers, not you. I love what you're saying in regards to that. And that, that brings out another thing that Tim was saying. He's like, a lot of goalkeeper coaches out there, they just, they don't, they don't allow their goalkeepers to have that line of communication where they're problem solving and thinking for themselves and answering questions. It's something I try to pride myself on. And I, I keep trying to work on it to become a better goalkeeper coach is allow more of an interaction within the session with my goalkeepers. So they're not just following orders or just listening to a lecture, but there are, there's actually an open dialogue going on. Well, I think the key, the key thing in my book, you said it, Michaels. You said, <laughs> I know. Should I should I go by like M squared or something like that? And then like um, no. MDM squared. Right. Is they have to understand why. Why they're doing yep. what they're doing. It's not, you know, sometimes you get with a team and they're like, okay, um, two people in the wall here, three people in the wall here, four people in the wall here, four people. Like, and, you know, and that's how they deal with set pieces. Why? And I agree with you. And that's what I do with my goalkeepers as well like like they have to be able to solve those problems and understand why they're doing it and and where they're supposed to be and for what reason not just because somebody told you when the ball's over there you put four people in the wall yeah, yeah. and yeah. and I, th I think another thing too is that you need to understand and nathan thackeray you know from north carolina courage he, he brings this up he says you need to understand the demands of the game and by that i mean whatever age group you're coaching at what are the demands of that age group michael i love what you said in regards to positioning based on reality right. can they yep. score from there if you're talking about a u9s u10s no they can't no. score from there they don't have the strength to score from there um so you need to understand what are the demands of that age group that you're coaching at and then allow them the tactical tools for that game that they play right. yeah yeah listen 100 percent. but I, I know we're talking about younger goalkeepers but I think even with senior goalkeepers, especially in an environment where it's physical and there's a lot of maybe aerial balls and you want your goalkeeper to come and command those and, and, and take charge, a lot of senior goalkeepers 
don't do it. They they want to be, you know, if we look at a Larice, his strength is to play on the goal line and make saves. Um, can he still be coached? I don't know, as he said in his ways. But if we talk of a, a 19, 20, 21 year old, rather than, and that's maybe their style at this point in time, rather than just let them play and train to their strengths, can we change that? You know, can, that can we continue to coach that? You can. And um, like just being with UCLA and everything, and you know, that's the, that's the age group that I have. And these are the top goalkeepers in the country, you know, at the top university in the country. So, but I, they're coming from their high schools and stuff and their clubs where they didn't get that kind of coaching, where they're just setting, they're doing what they've always been doing. And I yep. think I think that they are certain ones. I think they are open to as long as it's explained and they understand again the situation why you need to be off your line more in this situation, why you need to hold your line more, why like um, you come for that cross, you don't come for that cross, like positionally, they they will understand. I think it can be changed at that age. I mean, it's maybe it's different. I would say for a twenty year old that's playing pro already, maybe. The, they're set in their ways. I mean, I'm dealing with the college kids, um, but I think that, I think it can be trained. Well, I think one of the difficult things that you have, you know, going on Saskia is that you have pretty much almost every kid that comes to you is at, at, at worst is an all state player. I mean, you're, you're talking about pretty much they've been told on like the U20 national team. And Ex- exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the majority of the, I mean, that, yeah, that, let's be honest. Most of the recruits that you get are youth national team keepers. So they've been told how fantastic they are their entire <laughs> lives. Exactly. And because a lot of coaches, they don't want to, you know, um, ruffle any feathers. They just keep letting them go through their motions and letting them get away with a lot of stuff. And then once they get to your level, a lot of them, they've never competed to be a number one before they've been a number one, their entire lives. They've, That's right. I mean, like you look at our goalkeepers and like the, the number one is a number one, the number two, number three could start at another university. So, or, you know, or start on a pro team if they didn't come to um, um, college. So, but I think you'd be surprised at how open they are for the coaching because now that they're all challenging for that starting position, now that they're all at this elite level where before, you know, that was like, they were so high above any other goalkeeper in their area or, or something like that they realize that they're going to have to change things in order to go to the next level, in order to win a national championship, in order to play pro, in order to make the full national team. Um, and so they are open to understanding what will set them apart because they all come in and they're all kind of like, you know, yeah. well, not uh, really, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love it. Like, you're like, yeah, maybe. Uh... We're not gonna not gonna name any names. Um, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit. Getting back to the kind of the large group settings, there's a question here from Bobby Edwards, who I believe you're familiar with, Michael. Uh, Just a by the way, bit. doesn't Bobby sounds like Sir Bobby Edwards? Like he has to have the Sir <laughs> at the front. I'm so sorry. He sounds like if I was like watching like old tapes from like the 50s or something <laughs> like that, they'd be like, they'd, they'd, they'd be like. You know, he backstopped, backstopped Sir, Sir, Sir Bobby Edwards. Yeah, he backstopped so and so back in '54. Um, so <laughs> he goes, uh, Michael, how do you ensure that in large groups that all the keepers are staying involved with quality reps, not waiting around for their turn to work? Um, because there's one thing about getting rep, getting reps, 
and staying engaged. It's another thing, making sure they're quality reps. And I think that's a huge mistake. A lot of people make when they're training large groups of goalkeepers is they think, Oh, as long as I'm keeping them active, as long as they're getting reps, that it's good. It's not. No, for me, and again, over time and experience, I've learned that it's, and it, it, it sort of was came into my play later in my career as a goalkeeper that you're not able to do all the extra reps anymore. And you just want, rather than 10 reps, you just want four quality reps. Right. And that's you done. And, and when you think about that, the quality over quantity, why should that just be for senior goalkeepers who physically aren't up to, to, to doing all the reps anymore? So we kind of brought that into play of quality over quantity in everything we do. Um, there's a, there's a huge demand within my group on service, um, yeah. huge demand, a huge demand on service. Um, I refuse to serve, um, with this group because it's the only way they're going to learn. Um, and I don't think they're going to benefit if I step in and serve a hundred volleys. A these, are the, these are the older boys. Yep. So okay. 17 to 17 to 19. Yeah. Because we're, we're talking about kids who have an opportunity to, go into the pro game very soon or right. go to college or go to a level that they're going to be working with other goalkeepers. Probably one of them's going to be a senior pro and he's going to demand good service and yeah. they should demand good service back again. So get, so getting, getting back to Bobby's question, it's how we kind of structure our sessions. If we're working with six or eight goalkeepers is everyone's involved and everyone's involved on service or, either dealing with reps. A lot of the setups you've seen, we work with two goals and we have like a like a mirrored session going on at the same time. So two goalkeepers working both in a goal each, two on the outside serving, two on the inside serving. Um, and the servers will be implementing different service. So when we rotate, everybody has, uh, everybody has completed the same amount of reps and everybody has completed the same amounts of different service. So whether it's whether it's a throw, whether it's a half folly, whether it's a you know a little dipper dipped in, whatever it is, um, and we try to we try to record that as best we can, and how the goalkeepers are dealing with the service, and actually how many are making unforced errors, both in their handling and both on the service. Yeah, that I think that's a really good point that you're making there in regards to making sure that it's an even amount of service from the different types, you know, so that everybody's getting the same session. A lot of times what happens is one goalkeeper might work more than another goalkeeper. If you're not, if you're not keeping track and you're not doing it right. And also yeah. making sure that it's not the same service over and over again for each type of keeper. One mistake I think a, a lot of times go, young goalkeeper coaches make is they go, Oh, well, all these goalkeepers are at a different level of ability. So I'm going to make this easy on myself and I'm just going to keep the same, same service. Cause I know all these kids can handle this type of service, but that's a detriment to the higher, more advanced level goalkeepers in that session. Right. It's, it's both a detriment and it stops the learning environment. I mean, if, if somebody's not good at something, how do you get better? So I, I don't expect these kids on, on day one or week one to be unbelievable in, in all aspects of their, their training game or, or their service as we're talking about over time. You know, we want to build up the strong foot, make sure it's, you know, 99% of the time it's it's going where it's supposed to go. But again, we go back to an earlier question. We're working on, okay, we've told the goalkeepers, the first serves a half folly and it's going to be in the, you know, in this little satellite dish area for you to deal with. And the first serve is a bad one and it goes past the goalkeeper 
half a yard or a yard outside this so-called satellite dish. The goalkeeper does go for it. it happens all the time. Oh, yeah. And they'll say, oh, no, start again. But why? Yeah. Oh, it was a bad serve. Yeah, but it's only a yard away from you. Just go and make the save. <laughs> yeah, just because we told you that we want the service in this bubble. Exactly. Yeah. The bubble doesn't mean you don't. Don't. I mean, it's one thing if it shanks and it goes over the top goal. But yeah, but yeah why? Why are you going for that? You know, don't. Well, if you miss the, if you miss the target three times in a row, yeah. and this is this is implemented in our, in our groups. I try not to put these videos on for, for obvious reasons. But if, if you if you miss the target three times in a row on service, all the other goalkeepers in in the session take off their gloves and give you glove slaps across the face. What really? Yeah, that might they, work they, for they, in Ireland. I'm pretty yeah. sure I can't get away with that in the Palisades. No. You know, this 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 <laughs> this was this was introduced to me by uh, Brian Jensen. I who, love. Uh, he played for Burnley in the Premier League, uh, Danish international, uh, very close to the Peter and Casper Schmeichel. So Brian Jensen um, came across, I brought him across to Northern Ireland, I think he was 39, 40, and he came and played in the Premier League at the end of his career. Myself and Brian had met on one of our coaching courses and just completely hit it off. And he, he told me about this, and he said it got that bad at, at Burnley when he was there where they had a, a pair of size 11 gloves that sat in a, in a bucket of water beside the goal. So that was their forfeit. If you missed the target three times, you, the big size 11 wet gloves came out and you got slapped around the face oh. of these. Oh, Thankfully, we haven't went to that. It was extreme. <laughs> I'm, sca I'm scared that like, I mean, 72,000 people right now are going to start doing that with their, their youth keepers <laughs> no, no, no. after listening no, to this no. podcast. Do not it's recommend a senior, it's a senior goalkeeper. <laughs> senior goalkeepers only. Adults only, please. Adults only. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a bit like the, I see the outfield players doing it and they do their little ear flicks and, and things like this. And it's it's just something like that. It's obviously not it's not meant to hurt anyone. It's, no, like it's little, you know, a little fluff around the face and you get on with it. And it, it kind of kills that mood of everyone being annoyed or somebody being annoyed that he didn't get the right service or somebody being annoyed they didn't give the right service you know cut start again a few glove slaps clear the heads back on it so, so i have a question for for both of you guys here and and that is you know what we're talking about a lot of times when you get a large group of goalkeepers and they're all of different skill levels and skill sets maybe different age ranges that sort of a thing a lot of goalkeeper coaches they they make the mistake of trying to make things game related, game realistic, but all these goalkeepers are of varying levels. So a lot of times the session doesn't really replicate the game. What advice do you both give goalkeeper coaches in this situation? Um, I'll jump on with that one first. That I think this comes into play a lot if you're doing a camp, for instance, and you've got a you know large group of goalkeepers, mixed age, mixed ability. Um, I know last year in Canada, I done one and we had something like 60 something goalkeepers. Um, and the last day I said, okay, I'm going to take, I'm going to take everyone together. All the coaches were delighted, but also looking at me to say, how, how are you going to coach 60 goalkeepers? So what we did was we've done a kind of a warm up, but it progressed into hands, feet, feet. Wait, hold on. Did you say 60 goalkeepers? 60, 62 or 64, whatever it was. But what we did was we split them up. We split them up kind of age appropriate first of all um in the threes and fours so while everyone was given the same topic and the same drill to do obviously then we can't expect eight-year-olds to be half falling the ball so we broke it down that they were throwing the ball okay. the next group up 
you know, we're, we're, we're volleying the ball straight. The next group up, we're half volleys. Maybe the next group up, we're, we're overarm throw with a little bit of pace on it. So we kind of just learn as we go the, the, the levels of goalkeepers pretty much mixed with the age of goalkeepers of how we can still run the same session and change it up via the service. Interesting. That's a, that's a, that's a really interesting thing you just said right there. And I'm, I'm trying to think of another word to use other than interesting, but my brain completely <laughs> freezed at that moment. Cause I was like, there's gotta be a Hopefully better beneficial. Yeah. Beneficial, beneficial. There you go. Be- beneficial as opposed to interesting. I, I literally, people might've been like watching this right now and they just thought like, Oh, this thing just froze. Like, no, that was me freezing. That was me freezing. <laughs> that was you. That was me freezing, trying to think of another word right there. By the way, somebody actually just uh, reached out from uh, from Canada, and uh, they were saying um, uh, that they said they had an opportunity. Oh, that was Roberto. He said he had an opportunity to work alongside Michael last uh, summer in Montreal. So was this was this the the Canadian camp you were talking about? Yeah, Roberto is um, works for a company, Clean Sheet International, top class goalkeeping organization. And have over 100 kids come in and again all different levels all different ages male female they work with club goalkeepers and roberto's a great guy he's always wanting to learn almost sometimes i think he feels embarrassed by asking questions you know almost apologetic but the best way to learn is to ask questions uh, as much as you can if someone's if someone doesn't want to help you they'll tell you pretty pretty quickly um and i can't get enough of people like that who who want to tap into what i know because i'm doing the same with other goalkeeping coaches around them and you know constantly asking them questions sending them text messages videos to look over so don't just think that you know at your at top of the chain these these guys learn from me i learn from other people so i think that's how it works absolutely yeah i mean phil phil wedden said it but best uh to me once he says you know always keep learning if you're not learning you're not you're not doing your job. You're not. You're finished. You're finished. Absolutely. For me, you're finished. If you're not learning, you're done. I'm, yeah. constantly, I, I'm constantly learning new things and like everything's evolving. Like my style, like even at this age, which we won't bring up, my, <laughs> my style and everything like that and, and the game. And I have to with the game as well. I can't, I can't be trained. I can't train goalkeepers the same way I was trained. Um, with some stuff. I think we had a conversation about that, Michael, um, Michael M, um, from the convention that some comments were made about some, um, I'll keep names out of it, some comments were made about some of the tutorials that went on and how the person that was giving them hadn't evolved, that, you know, they, the, the drills they were doing were kind of archaic. Um, and so as a goalkeeper coach, you have to keep growing. I mean, I, I steal stuff from everybody. Yeah. I mean, I was going to just say simply like Michael's thing about the countries with the younger, younger boys. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm stealing that. That's awesome. I can't yeah, think of a better way to trust me. Trust me. I mean, I, I was like, I was like, Oh, I'm making a note about that because that is such a cool way to keep those kids invested and excited about it and make it, make it a game and make it fun yeah. for them. Um, especially like at sometimes the rec level, you know, um, you know, sometimes uh, my, my academy, um, you know, uh, you know, people reach out and they, they do contracts with different clubs and stuff. And, and they have uh, these rec programs there or these goalkeepers aren't competitive goalkeepers and I'm getting thrown a, a big mix of them. And I got to find ways to keep them engaged at the same time as, as still learning. So I love when I learn little, little things like that. So 
Michael, if you can just send me an entire PowerPoint on that, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, might just video all your sessions, and we'll, yeah, Michael will just we'll just yeah. do them here. We'll just put them all on a Dropbox. Yeah. I, think, I think when you go when you go back to the little the little game element of it, I think it's important to um, replicate the types of games that they play. I know you know a lot of these games have passed the the test of time, and they they all have different names in different countries. Um, but you know, we used to play like we used to pretend to be soldiers when we were kids, you know, and you were you were throwing pretend grenades, you know, you just when kids really use their imagination. And we kind of try to feed into what the kids are interested in and what what kind of games they're playing around the school playground, you know, in the park with each other. And if you can if you can tap into that and then relate something with a ball, something that involves them catching the ball. Um, one of the little ones we've done where they were um, diving over the river and it was literally just three cones just the little small cones don't touch the cones you're going to fall on the river the cones were blue it oh I love I love oh I love that are you, you sure know, you're not like a children's really, really author Michael like <laughs> listen with it with a with an almost two-year-old girl I'm, I've, that's why this is happening here and uh, a 13 year old boy so you have to come up with these ideas um I want to talk about um goalkeeper coach to player ratio. We've been talking about large numbers right here. And we just had Roberto on who, who worked with you in Montreal. In your opinion, to both of you guys, what is the best player to coach ratio to run a productive session with large numbers? For me, the perfect the perfect six. I, I, I love working with six goalkeepers. I just think it's it's there's so much you can do. I think when you're with, you know, most people would have said four. And I think that was going back a couple of years, four goalkeepers, two working, two resting, or two working, two serving, whatever it was. But I think when you have six, um, there's so much more you can do around game-related scenarios while still getting the little rest while you're actively serving. Um, you still got an opportunity to watch the other goalkeepers working. Um, and it gives you just that, for me, it's that perfect amount of, of numbers to, to run a complete session. So what you're saying is I need to change on my website for my academy. I need to change it from maximum of four to maximum of six. Good. I, it's good. To, that's good to know that I need to need to do that. That's an extra couple bucks. Sure. Why not? <laughs> let's, let's make it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> I would. I. I concur. I would agree with six, especially when you're doing some game scenarios. When you have four, and you want them to be serving, that kind of limits those scenarios that you can put together and everything. I think six is a great number. I think I think going above that eight would be a bit much. Yeah. Now, um, one thing I want I want to talk about is it, and this is something that we're just kind of unfamiliar with in regards to some of the aspects over in Europe in regards to the academies. And you know, why don't you explain to some of our audience who isn't familiar with Northern Ireland, uh, you know, goalkeeping? You know, what is the structure of your academy, and you know, your your relationship with the uh, with the um, what's it called, the NIFL? Is that is that what it's called yeah. over there? Yeah. Yeah. You guys are an independent uh, enrichment program, right? Yeah, so basically, um, NIFL are, are, the, are the governing body of, of Irish League football. So they're your, they're your MLS, so to speak, um, oversee all the, the structures of the clubs. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Just basically the day-to-day running of all the clubs, uh, fixtures, things like that, all the cup competitions. So, so they feed that right down from first team right through all the academy levels. Where we come into play is um, at, at school leaving age here is 16. 
So when you're 16, you have the opportunity to leave school or to stay on for extended education before you think about going to college. You've got a two-year period there. Uh, and how our program works is we a little bit of talent ID and we don't necessarily turn, well, I don't turn players away, especially not goalkeepers, but we, we pretty much talent ID the best players around the country um, from all the clubs. So all the Premier League clubs, all the championship clubs um, and some of the championship two clubs. So your first top three tiers, we, we talent ID all the players. We then invite them to come into the program. Now that's an educational program as well as um, a sporting one. So when they come in the doors, they will, they will sign up to a two-year, uh, like a sports management program of higher education. So they'll learn their um, anatomy and physiology. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll learn so many elements that will help them if they don't make it as a player. Wait, so they're so, going to so, goalkeeping school, not just goalkeeping, but goalkeeping school. Yeah, yeah. So why wasn't that around when I why why didn't I know about that when I was a kid? <laughs> I want to go to that. Tell me about it. So so that's so that's pretty much it. They've got they've got strength and conditioning coaches. They've got they've got tutors on board for their classes. Obviously myself for the for the pitch sessions with the goalkeepers. Um, and wow. we try to we try to replicate the environment of a of a professional club setup that they come in first thing in the morning, have the breakfast straight on the training ground. Um, you know, they've got, you know, the facilities are unbelievable. We've got an independent facility. It is, you see most of the videos are on that, the Hanwood in Belfast. So it's a turf, brand new turf pitch. It's got a gym, it's got a cryo spa. Um, there's a, a masseuse works out of there. There's a um, strength and conditioning suite. There's a classroom, there's a kitchen, there's an indoor. Uh, this place is, is ridiculous. Um, the other venue we have is based at the National Stadium. So for the for the Niffle kids, especially the guys on the Niffle program, they'll actually walk in through the main doors of the National Stadium every morning oh, wow. to go to, to go to school. Wow! They walk through the the, the museum, the Heritage Centre, nice. all the pictures on the wall, Pat Jennings, George Best, everyone nice. um, in Northern Ireland history and folklore is is on those walls. Um, so to have that environment every day walking in is is pretty special for these kids. Yeah. Now, and, and they're still playing with their, they're still playing with their club teams uh, on the weekends, right? Yeah. So they'll train, they'll still train with their clubs uh, in the evenings. So they'll train two, two nights a week and they'll play their club games um, either a Wednesday night for the U twenties or uh, I think it's a Friday night for the U 18s. Some of them are involved in first teams already. They'll play on a Saturday. And then obviously with, with myself, we'll, we'll work with them during the day. Wow. That's a, uh, Amazing. It sounds it sounds so amazing. I want to I want to go. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, wait, Saskia and I we were talking, and I know I, I know um, Omar had expressed interest as well too for us to all go to Northern Ireland and put on a show out there at the at the institute and 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 do a do a clinic. So once all this madness is over, we really do have to figure out a way to make that happen because that that sounds uh, like what quite a setup you've got over there. That's that's Love really really it. cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, absolutely. Yeah. I know you just you just said about Omar. I spoke to him. I think it's it's something that other goalkeepers and other goalkeeping coaches have, have started to do is contact me and ask to come in for a, a week, two weeks, three weeks, or, or even, even a couple of days. Um, and again, I find that, again, when these guys are with me, I'm learning from them. They're not just coming here to, to learn from me or learn off me. So I think it's beneficial for, for everyone involved, but just the environment, you know, everyone wants to work in a, in a first-team environment. I've done it as a player and, and, and as a coach. 
but this is more rewarding for me. This is why I left my first team job uh, with a Premier League club to, to take this job on. It's it's just much more hands on. You're in control of everything, um, and you're working with a great you know a great group of goalkeepers. Yeah, I tell you that's something like yeah. I w- if I was younger, young again, I mean that's something I would have loved to have done, to come and been in that environment and and walk through those halls or um, done that training for two weeks. I mean, my parents sent me to Holland to train with Franz Hook, um, but you know I was lucky enough to have parents that did that. But to, yeah. we have nothing like that here in the United States. Um, one question we, we, we did we, we did we we did have because yeah I mean I can't I can't think of uh I mean we have summer camps I mean shout out to people like yeah, I mean, we have yeah. some we have some things set but we have nothing with that kind of like just the full the full picture you know classes physios um, practice but then like the lore of walking through the, those that front of that stadium and seeing all of that and knowing why you're doing what you're doing. And, and that's, that's amazing. I love it. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I, th- I think, I think it's a, it's a unique learning environment. That's for sure. You've got, it's, you've got to be careful with these kids as well, that they don't go the other way and they're walking in through the, into the bright lights of the national stadium thinking we've made it. Um, yeah, and we're very, for- we're, we're very fortunate that, that pretty much all of these kids don't think that way. Um, you know the school element of it is is a little bit more relaxed. That it's not like we went to school, a teacher forcing you to do the work, and you weren't allowed to speak. You know, a lot of these kids will sit with their headphones on, they'll do their work on their iPad, on their laptop, um, and they'll just get on with it. Um, so it's 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 perfect. Now I, I have a question, Michael and, and Saskia. Now we'd actually talked about this too because we were unfamiliar you know, with the, with the setup over there and the structure over there, as opposed to some of the bigger countries, um, in the women's game, um, how is it with, with the women's game? For instance, is there a women's program as well for, for the Academy or is it just all boys or, or, or where, where, where's that kind of set? With, with the Academy. So there, there is a women's game here. It's, it's improving the last, the last year, 18 months, it's, it's seen massive strides of improvement. It's had, um, it's came under the Niffle umbrella as well. It's had a little bit of sponsorship put on board. Um, you have to understand the game. We're we're a very small country, so we don't have the big pool of players that the United States have or England has. So, you know that's more difficult when you look at the women's section. Um, regarding the academy and goalkeepers, we've had one female who's came through the academy, a young girl called Lauren Perry, who is now at Blackburn Rovers. Nice. Um, she's a 19. She's also a senior international with Northern Ireland. So there's opportunities for, for women, you know, it's, it's becoming bigger and bigger, a lot like it is in the States and it was in the States way before this time. You know, women's soccer in the States has always been a big thing. I think for me, um, going back to the time I was at Clemson, we watched the, the Women's World Cup in, in the US. So it can still improve, of course, um, but there are excellent coaches involved and, and you know, people are trying <laughs> their best to, to improve it. We're looking at, and we're very, very keen on having a, a women's only uh, NIGK section. Um, and I would be very, very keen on that. And I've had some interest from some Canadian females that, that, that were interested in coming in. And ideally, we, we have, you know, four, five, six local kids, um, local females come onto the program as well. Yeah, it's it's. A small country, but you're building it, and you you know the resources are there, and as long as the investment is there, it'll grow. It, 
you know, we've all, yes, we've always been big and we've always had a lot of support behind the women's soccer here, but we used to, teams that are really good now used to be non-existent when I played. Like we never even worried about playing England, really. I mean, we did and we didn't, like no offense. Kelly Smith, they're amazing. Um, but um, those weren't the big teams. Like you were laughing earlier saying, oh, Norway, oh, Sweden. Like those were, were back in 99, China, like back and stuff like that. And the other countries caught on and they started building and they started investing and um, no matter how big or small the countries. And now look, Japan wins the World Cup. Um, look who are contenders and stuff. Like there are other teams from all over. So I think, um, you know, as long as you guys have the setup that you have and are investing in it, it'll grow. Plus, you know, you have the, the women's premier league in England. And so now yeah. there's something to shoot for as well. Where before there was none of that. Well, okay, I'm playing, I'm training. Either I play for my national team and that's about it. Or I go to, or I go overseas and how many people get to do that. But now with so many professional women's leagues, you'll find that it'll grow fast. Because it's well, an yeah. option now, you know. Well, I, I'm sure you know at uh, in Northern Ireland, you know, one of the the goals for a lot of the young women there is to come to university in the United States. I mean, that's probably yeah. one of their their top goals uh, to do that. So, um, you know, I it's play, I played pro with an Irish an Irish woman in Japan, Claire Scanlon. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I just wanted you to know it's been around. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely. That's always been a thing, not just for female players, but for young, for young Irish and Northern Irish male players was, you know, certainly I was one of them who, who wanted to, to go to college in the States and, and play college football. Um, I was, as I say, I went to Clemson for a bit, um, a very short, a very short time, but was left then with, with a question of, did you want to go back to school or did you want to play first team? I was on the verge of, of, of first team football at a very young age at out. I'd already played at 16, made my debut in the first team. Um, but, you know, back then, you certainly from this country, education wasn't the, the first and foremost thing on your mind. It was just playing football. So, I, think, I think the difference with that with the women, on the women's side is by the time you are 18, 19 on the men's side, like you're being identified, you're being pulled up. Yeah. On the women's side, you can go to college and then go pro afterwards. And that 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 education, as well as the get the college game, will also, depending on where you go and what level, will also get you ready for for that level. So, so yeah. So Peter has a question for um, for both you guys right here, and uh, he uh, he wants to know how many teams you both have played for and what your first gloves were. And I I. I <clears throat> I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave myself out of that conversation because you guys are the big timers here. So, protein. Oh, I'll need about. I'll need about yeah. twenty minutes to count up the amount of teams that I've played for. <laughs> oh Tiger my God. Woods, more clubs than Tiger Woods brings them out. <laughs> oh my! Oh my God! Oh my gosh! Okay, well, what, what, maybe maybe some of the top clubs then. How about that? Let's uh, let's do let's do the top clubs for I've for both for both you guys. Three clubs. Okay. Uh, first club would be Oki FC in Japan. Um, the next one would have been the Philadelphia Charge, and then New York Power. Yeah. So, I love those early two thousands names for uh, American squads. You know, it's like we all had to power, power <laughs> charge, and your first explosion. Gloves? My your first, first gloves? gloves 
Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, my first gloves when I was really, really little were those little red ones with the black rubber on it and stuff like that, or the other way around. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think Roish were my first gloves. Okay. Would be okay. I think, I think. I could be wrong. I have to ask my mom and dad that one. They probably still have them. <laughs> Somewhere. <Okay>. I don't have <laughs> them. Well, I grew up. Yeah. I, I grew up um, supporting supporting a club, the Grey Jersey, Glen Torren, who are one of the big two, the big two in, in Northern Ireland in the Premier League. Um, you had Glen Torren and you had Linfield. You still do. Um, I think I went. My grand, my two grandfathers used to take me to the games. So from the age of four, um, they started taking me to the games, home and away, some of the European games. It was just embedded in you that you were a Glen Torren supporter. Um, I had one of the first team players who lived two doors up um, and seeing him every day was just like seeing, seeing God coming out of, the, you know, out of his front door. Um, and then it was very, very fortunate. Um, 10 years later, 14 to actually sign for the club. Um, so I, I progressed through the academy uh, at youth level at Glen Torren. And then I eventually made it back there to play in the first team again 10 years later 24 so in between that I, I had to go away and do the dirty work as it's called <laughs> um which included some premier league clubs um and some championship clubs which is technically the first division um so just strange how football you know brings up these stories you know support a club it takes you you've been there 10 years as a, as a supporter um, and 10 years after leaving the club, you then go back and play for the first team. Um, but very, very privileged to, to have done that and play for that club. Yeah. Yeah. What about your first glove? First glove, I'm trying to think. I think it was a, a old sport, um, white with a little black oh my checker, <laughs> checker, checkers on it, like a little, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Alice in Wonderland floor type design. <laughs> I, I think is that the best color. way to describe it. I remember the cut. Mine were yellow. They were white with yellow and blue. Yeah, okay. So I think I had the black and white ones. Yeah. Um, but listen, I, I always played outfield at school. Um, even though when you went to the park with your friends, everyone took their turn in goals to be, and I always wanted to be a goalkeeper. But at school, um, I always played as centre forward, like yeah. most goalkeepers think they can play out. Um, and at Glen Torn, uh, a friend of my, one of my one of my friends, Andy yeah. Kirk, whose whose dad was the manager of the team, both Andy and his dad went on the, the huge things in the game. But um, I asked them what they were doing that evening, and they said, "Oh, they had training with Glen Torn." I said, "Oh, can can I come?" Just like you thought anyone could come, um, and they said, "Oh, he says, oh, well, we we need a goalkeeper." I says, "Yeah, I'm a goalkeeper." So I had to go and borrow gloves. So I blagged I blagged it from day one. On the in the in the Glen Thorns youth team by going and borrowing gloves, um, but I must have been okay to sign me. Right on. <laughs> well, well, I never I never played at the level that you you two did right over here. Um, but I, I am going to throw myself into this right here. So my first club, Peter, if you care, uh, was a club <laughs> called Lara, and uh, it was in the second division of Venezuela in uh, the Venezuelan uh, league over there. Um, actually, Lara, in, like the car. Yeah, L A R A. So um, in, in, uh, yeah, in the Estadio de Lara. And uh, I was in the um, U20 or what you would call the reserve team uh, for that club right over there. And uh, that was, 
I mean, I've got so many stories from that experience. It was just very eye-opening in regards to what the world of South American football is. It's very different game. But I, I think when you talk about levels, you, you just said, oh, we, we haven't played at the level, or I haven't played at the level you guys. You know, I, I would say the same. I haven't played at the level Saskia's played at. I would, you know, and there's so many of, of us would say that when you're talking to another goalkeeper or goalkeeper coach who, who played. But for me, the important thing and the most important advice for, for young goalkeepers is go and play games. Yeah, you played. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't get hung up on the level. You know, no, you no. will find your level. Absolutely. Just go and play. I mean, look. Who was the goalkeeper we were talking about um, that went to Northern Ireland trained? Oh, oh, that went to Northern Ireland to train? Well, we were talking about it um, a couple of segments ago. He was talking about Bobby Edwards. It was Eric Klinovsky and Eric, who's at Toronto now. He was talking about Bobby Edwards had nobody was giving him the time of day here in the U.S. And he wanted to play. play, So he went over there and, and he made a name for himself. Well, the, the, the thing about Bobby was, again, I was I was across doing some work in New Jersey and the name kept popping up in, in conversations. Jersey! Um, from, from, yeah, there must be something in the water with Jersey keepers because they're everywhere at the minute. Jersey girl! Uh, <laughs> but but his, his, name, his name kept kept popping up and so I looked at the highlight reel and the first the first time I watched that, I was like, my God, this, this kid is something different. Um, I actually sent it straight away to four or five pro clubs um, who were immediately interested. So I spoke to Bobby and I, and I got a little back, you know, his backstory of where, where he came from, where he thought he was in the game, where he thought he could go. He's very, very ambitious. Um, kind of thought he, that he had missed his chance, kind of thought that he had been continuously overlooked yeah. um, and wanted to maybe travel around a little bit, you know, take that side of, side of life a little bit more seriously, travel around, if he played some football while well, he'd done it great, um, kind of find himself again. And I and I said, Well, why don't you why don't you, you know, if you're ever in Ireland or ever in Northern Ireland, you know, come in, train every day with, with the boys. Um, you know, there's been no shortage of takers in terms of clubs. Um, and he did that. It was a it was a pure blind leap of faith on, on his part because he didn't know anything about the country, anything about the level. Um, he just wanted to play. Yeah. As soon as he heard that you will play, he 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 booked his ticket pretty much. Yeah, I think that go, you know that goes to your point. Like talking about levels, don't get hung up in that stuff. Don't you know? Go and play, and yeah. you, ne- you yeah. never know what will happen. I mean, look at Bobby. Look where he is now. Um, I mean, look the opportunities that came to me to go and by going to overseas. First off, it made made my game not just as as a person as a as a player, but as a person as well too in a, a cultural experience was. Um, I got opportunities I never would have gotten if I hadn't gone down to, to South America. I never would have gotten in that U20 national pool uh, if I hadn't gone to South America. You know, th- those opportunities never would have come to me if I had stayed in, in the United States in my bubble um, where I wasn't getting a chance uh, for whatever reasons, whether it was my size or whether I just wasn't good enough. Probably I wasn't good enough. Um, but it, it, really, it really helped develop me. And I feel when I came back and tried to play in the, the USL here in the United States, it was I, I was a much better keeper. Uh, for that experience. Um, I want to, I want to talk about this, uh, getting back to the topic of today, the large group of goalkeepers. Um, I want to do a couple stories here from, from you guys here. Um, I want to talk about a story you guys have, and maybe we'll start with either Saskia or Michael, whoever wants to start the first time you worked with a large group of goalkeepers and how you handled it. Because I I definitely have a, a deer in the headlights story in regards to that. 
Saskia, ladies first. <laughs> like, uh, I have to really think about that one. I don't think. Okay. I don't think I was ever. I think even when I went over to camp um, in Holland and stuff, and you know, just whether it was summer camp, whatever. I don't think anything like that ever bothered me or intimidated me. Um, I was just always just kind of focused on what I was doing. I never got kind of bogged down in what other goalkeepers were doing and how they were playing, how they weren't playing. Um, so I, I don't ever recall being like a deer in headlights. I, you know, was just focused. Yeah, that's probably why you won a World Cup. <laughs> you know, so. Sometimes I have answers that make me sound <laughs> like an alien or something. I'm like, bro, oh, it didn't bother me. Sorry. You're like, I don't know. I don't know how, why everyone thinks call, you know, playing like telling the UCLA keepers, like, I don't know why you guys think division one soccer is so hard. I mean, all you have to do is like be a Herman trophy finalist. You know, it's not that, it's not that hard, you know? Well, my, my, what my one was, um, my very first session with, with the Federation goalkeepers, um, you 14, I think they were, um, and there were six goalkeepers. So, you know, ultra prepared, all the session plans done over and over, set up early. So we got up, we got up to the, the the pitch, and the guys were just, you know, volleying balls at each other, just having a little feel of the ball. And I, I picked up one of the balls and volleyed it and said, "Yes, Paul." I didn't realize that Paul had turned around to take a drink <laughs> while the ball was traveling. Then heard his name being called. Turns around, ball hits him square in the nose, oh. blood everywhere. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I, I looked at, I remember looking at my watch and thinking, I actually officially start work in five minutes in my first job of the Federation, and I'm going to be sacked before I even start. <laughs> and that was just a, I can't even remember how the session went, completely gone. My head was gone. All I could think about was, I just broke a kid's nose in my very first goalkeeping session here um but no it was it was fine it was it was all good oh my gosh wow um geez okay so uh i've i I don't know if i can beat that story this is uh this is this is this is tough here um i i will say this one was absolutely uh a very difficult i'll give two two very difficult for me one was uh the first time i was on regional staff for olympic development and uh, I got, I got, you know, um, obviously that was a big deal to me as a young goalkeeper coach to be brought in for the regional staff. Um, I got brought in there. There was some very high level goalkeeper coaches I was working with there too, who had worked with national team keepers and MLS keepers and all that sort of thing. And uh, first session, um, the guy who I was working with, he goes, um, all right, well, you're going to run that session. I'm like, cool. So I put a session together um, for a small group of goalkeepers. And literally, I didn't understand that we were going to have every goalkeeper from every state in this session. So I panicked because I'd only put out so many cones. And, um, and I basically went, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do here. So I, uh, I started manipulating those players into these weird cone activities and trying to very make, make it seem very confident and like I knew what exactly what I was trying to do. <laughs> in that situation and being like, no, no. So this is based on that movement and this movement and that, whatever. And, uh, after the session was over, I thought it was a complete disaster. The goalkeeper coach comes up to me. He's like, he's like, Hey man, I really like that footwork session that you put together. That was a, uh, it was really high, high level. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, wow. I'm glad that worked out because, uh, I, I just literally, uh, thought yeah, of it on, on the spot, <laughs> came up with it on the spot. 
See, uh, now, don't... I thought the question I thought the question was when we were keepers. Oh, that's okay. We were coaches. If you want to do a coaches one, feel free. No, I, I got I got fired off the jugs machine at Soccer Plus because I broke three kids' hand wrists because it turned it up too hot. <laughs> so Tony never let me use the jugs machine again because they were like, turn it up. And I'm like, okay. Oh my gosh. That uh <laughs> That's, that's one right there. Um, well, before, before we go, Michael, and thanks for taking all the time with us here. First off, um, it's been uh, my pleasure, pretty darn informative. Um, Absolutely. I want to ask you, what is it about um, Northern Ireland and, and that, and that NIFL league um, that makes it such a, a great stepping stone league for goalkeepers that want to take their game to that next level? I think it's, I always describe it as real football. You know, it doesn't have the, uh, the glitz and glamour of of the English Premier League and and uh, listen, there's some really decent stadiums, um, but if you even when you compare to the MLS and all all these new franchises, new stadiums, and all the bright lights, it's it's couldn't be further away from that. You know, if you if you tried, but I think as I say, it's real football. It's back to football as, as we remembered it. You know, I just think I just think it's. It's, it's an experience you're playing against people who need to win to pay their mortgage, need to win to, to feed their kids. Um, the, the competition levels are, are through the roof. Um, and it, it's the environment and the, um, the word I'm looking for is the, just the community you know, of Irish League football is just something completely different. Bob, Bobby was, was a massive example of that when he came in and he really, really embraced it, um, and he was adored by, by not only the, the people who followed his club, but by so many other people in Irish League football. Was just he just loved everything about it, and he just took that on, he took it on board. He you know it gave him the opportunity, and he felt that he should always give something back. Um, and I always say that he's the biggest, um, the biggest uh, advocate of if you wanted to be, have like a tourism poster, you should you should have Bobby Edwards or you know. The thing because he just always talked about how good Northern Ireland was and how impressive it was and how much he loved it. Um, but yeah, getting back to the football, I just think it's it's real and and it just makes you grow up and it makes you want to be more competitive, want to be better every day, and ultimately you want to be a winner. I love that. I love that. I love that. I feel like that should be like the the uh, the brochure for the NIFL. Like uh, <laughs> that that uh... they did they did have one before and they done these big uh, advertising boards and it was like. Um, no prawn sandwiches and none of this and no, you know, no fancy dams and all this here. And they, and they put, um, you know, the, the players at that time on huge billboards, you know, around bus, bus stations and in the city centre and things like that. So it was, it was pretty popular when it happened. Um, but that's it. That's just Irish League football in a nutshell. Just normal working class people who want to play football and who have been given that opportunity. Wow. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say because like, I, that sounds like such a really real way of explaining the experience as opposed to trying to sugarcoat it and say like, well, we're, it's cause we're, 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 we plan on being, you know, in a few years, like the, one of the top blah, blah, blah leagues in the world or whatever. Like you, you broke it down from a real guttural, um, you know, from a lack of a better term, you know, player perspective on like what you're going to get yeah. out of the experience of coming coming here um that's awesome man um Absolutely. yeah so um honestly we've been going for over an hour and michael thank you for taking the time no, and we'll build some character 
chutzpah in there. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, you'll get a, you'll have some chutzpah, as uh, as my well, grandmother well, no, would say. I'll, I'll, you'll have, I'll, you'll be humble, you know. You're there. Yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell you a real, a really, a really quick story about, and this sums up Irish league football. I was a, a really young kid, had been sent out on loan by Glen Torren, the local club, and this club in particular, um, my father had played for them and was captain. His, his father had played for them and was one of the one of the founders and captains. So there was a real family heritage and history of this club. And I came to the club on loan as a young goalkeeper with a huge um, sort of, you know, aura around him. And everyone was expecting great things. And on my debut, we got beat 4-0 or 5-0 um, by the local rivals at that time. And I remember the week after, we were, we were traveling to an away game. And it was also one of my first experiences of getting paid. In those days, you would have been given your wages in a brown envelope with your name on it, cash. So traveling to the game the, the next week, um, and again, in those days, you had some of the, the directors on the bus, some supporters on the bus with the players, in fact. Um, and I was approached halfway up the bus by a guy with a pretty serious reputation in Belfast who handed me a, handed me a brown envelope and patted me on the back. I thought it was my wages from the week before, opened okay. it up. It was, a, it was a joker playing card. And continued to harass me for 10 minutes of how I was the worst goalkeeper the club had ever had. How I was never as good as my father, who wasn't a goalkeeper, never as good as my grandfather. <laughs> it, was a mis- it was a mistake signing me. Um, absolute, you know, all the expletives you can imagine. Um, and this, I think it was 17, maybe. Um, and this is on the way to a game. Um, and at the end of that season, we're very successful. We won two trophies. I won player of the year, players player of the year, uh, and club player of the year. Um, and couldn't wait to hand them back the Joker card at nice. the end. But but it was just little things like that. That's just summing up actually like football. It's that was his way of of telling me, you know, that yeah, this is real life. You know, you're not you know, you're not a kid anymore. Grow up. Well wow, that you can't just show up and expect to 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 be to be great. Like, come yeah. on. You I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like a lot of kids uh, in the United States could benefit from going to uh, to Northern Ireland. Uh, let's just say there's a, <laughs> a little bit of a level of entitlement uh, to some of the kids uh, in the United States. Uh, a little you bit. know, a little bit. Even even at the elite clubs. It's the same everywhere. It's the same everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well. Uh. Well, Michael. First off, thanks for for taking all this time. Um. Before we go, if anybody out there wants to know more about NIGK or um you know, they want to reach out to you about potentially, you know, coming out to, to their club and, and, and putting a little thing together. Where's the best place for them to reach out? Um, well, we, you know, they can drop me a DM on Instagram or, or Twitter. Again, if it's through you guys, you know, I'd love to come back on at, at a later date and we'll, we'll, do, we'll do something different. Um, but as I, as, I, as I said before, it's all about learning. I, I want to travel across to the States again. Canada again, other parts of the world, and learn of not only coaches but goalkeepers as well. Um, but any coach or or young goalkeeper who's interested in finding out more, as I say, I'm very very open. Just you know, drop me a DM, ask as many questions as you want, um, and we'll do our very very best to give you the answers you need. Awesome, and yeah, and let's let's try to figure out a way to get over to get over to Northern Ireland. I've never been. I've, I want to go. Um, I'm down. Yeah, I'm looking forward to somebody handing me a Joker card in an envelope, and being like, "You're the worst goalkeeper coach we've ever had here." 
or the or the glove slaps. Yeah. <laughs> the glove slaps. Or go. the glove yeah. slaps. Yeah, that's gonna go viral. That's gonna go viral. Um, remember, guys, contact at inside the eighteen media.com if you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion. Um, or during this lockdown, guys, if you want to reach out and you've got something that you'd like to talk about on the show, I mean, we've got the time. And uh, if you've got something of benefit, again, like Michael was bringing up, the fact is like. You know, I, I was, you know, self-deprecating myself in regards to the level that I played compared to these two right here. But uh, don't don't ever think because I have we've had people reach out before and go like, I don't know if I'm big enough to be on the show or yada, yada. It's, it's not about that. It's about us learning and growing from each other. So if you have something that you feel is going to benefit the audience, reach out. Let us know because it, it might work. We just recently just had a mother on um, today. We did an interview with the mother of a, of a goalkeeper named Nathan who uh, went viral with his little solo training session on, on, on Twitter. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he killed it out there and that was absolutely fantastic with her. She was bringing something to the table that we can't as, as goalkeeper coaches. And that's the, the parents perspective and and how to benefit your, your kid during this time period, you know? Um, so I thought that was really a, a cool piece and it was fantastic. Um, you know, um, so, so do that. And guys, remember it's at goalkeeper podcast and all social media platforms or at goalkeeper pod on Twitter because podcast is too long for Twitter, uh, which is un- un- unfortunate. Um, but that, uh, that's all the time on Inside the 18. If you want to reach out to Saskia Weber, um, I think she checks her social media now. I think uh, now that she's got the time to do it. <laughs> At Saskia underscore Weber. Yeah, it's Saskia underscore Weber. Out there. She's easy. Um, all right, guys. Uh, that's all the time on Inside the 18. And we are out later, guys. Yeah.